people have Bitcoin ever wondered? Well, it's because they know they're excluded from the country's traditional systems of wealth creation. America's economy is closed to them. The ladder has been pulled up and they know it. Our elderly political class should care about this. They don't care at all. Here's 68-year-old Paul Krugman explaining on Twitter that growing inflation is not a big deal. Quote, is there any good reason to believe that inflation hits low-income households especially hard? End quote. Well, yes, Paul, there are, in fact, quite a few good reasons to think that. Like, look around, Dumbo. But he hasn't and he won't. Keep in mind, this man once won the Nobel Prize for economics. So we're mocking Paul Krugman, but imagine what he sounds like to young people. Imagine how this sounds to a 30-year-old. Someone still living with roommates, someone who's too poor to get married, too poor to have kids, too poor to start an adult life. There are many young Americans in that position. If you wanted to set the stage for a revolution, this is exactly the kind of way you would talk, and it's exactly the kind of society you would create. It is deeply unwise. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday, freaks. It's your boy Odell here for Citadel Dispatch 51. Citadel Dispatch is an interactive live show about Bitcoin distributed systems, privacy, and open source software. To ring in the new year, we got some. We got two big changes that I want to let you guys know about ahead of time. Uh, the first one is this will be the last uh, dispatch that is available on the TFTC podcast feed. So if you're listening to this on the TFTC podcast feed, open up your podcast app, search Citadel Dispatch, and press subscribe because that's the only way you will be able to get dispatches going forward. I have a very good lineup over the next few weeks um, that I'm very excited uh, to share with you guys. Some very good discussions are going to happen. The second major change is I have moved the audience chat over to Matrix, a distributed, self-hosted, uh, free and open source chat solution um, that is federated so you can run your own server you can connect to our server um, you can use whatever server you want and you can communicate that way that chat is located at citadel.chat so if you want to participate in the live audience conversation going forward you're going to want to go to citadel.chat if you're going to want to listen to the podcast feeds going forward you're going to have to search citadel dispatch in your favorite podcast app um, if you are commenting through YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, I can see your comments still. Um, so I will highlight key comments, but the main chat is going to be uh, in, in Matrix on Citadel.chat. Huge shout out to our supporters. Dispatch is 100% audience funded. You guys make it possible to keep Dispatch ad-free without sponsors and purely focus on actionable Bitcoin discussion. So cheers to you. The easiest way to support the show is through podcasting 2.0 apps. My two favorites are Fountain Podcasts and Breeze Wallet. Acts like a regular podcast app. You search Citadel Dispatch, you load it up with sats. Those sats go straight to my node. You can also support the show through my Samurai Paynim, also Sparrow Wallet compatible now. Um, that Paynim is Odell. 
or through uh, just a normal lightning payment. Both of those are available at CitadelDispatch.com. As always, this show is live streamed through Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and now BitcoinTV.com as well. BitcoinTV.com. Uh, we need to. I need to acquire and buy a GPU so the transcoding is better. So the quality will be slightly worse on BitcoinTV.com, but you don't have to deal with trackers um, or ads or anything like that. So uh, trade-offs, trade-offs everywhere, but I am working uh, to get that GPU. So the quality will be better. This is a, a conversation that I'm very excited to have. Uh, we got some great guests here. This is still Dispatch 51. The topic is Bitcoin companies keeping lists of Bitcoiners and our transaction history. Uh, it's focused on the trade-offs of KYC, AML regulations, and how they interact with Bitcoin. We got some return guests and we got some new guests. I'm going to start uh, this introduction with our new guests. We have uh, esteemed podcast host and good friend, Stefan Levera. Stefan, why don't you say hi to the freaks? Hello, everyone, and thanks for inviting me. Stefan is, uh, he made some time zone sacrifices for us uh, to be here. So everyone should give him extra props. We appreciate you, Stefan. Um, we have, <laughs> we have uh, Laser Hoddle here. Uh, first time on Dispatch, but he has been on TFTC with Marty in the past. How's it going, Laser? Hey, y'all. A uh, big fan of yours, Odell, and the Dispatch, and so excited to be on. And and a lot of NIMS on here that I followed for a long time, so this is pretty cool, and thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you. Um, we have return guest, Diverter. How's it going, Diverter? Hey, what's happening, y'all? Glad to be here. And we have return guest BTC Zelko. What's up, Zelko? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, although I'm pretty good, other than the fact that it sounds like Divert is over there eating a sandwich, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. It's gonna be a fun talk. Awesome. Um, so it looks like in the live chat that everyone's having issues with BitcoinTV.com. Um, what are you gonna do? We're doing it live. Um, so. Where should we start? I was thinking maybe we should start on uh, what is KYC? Um, what is its impact on Bitcoin? Um, and then take it from there. Who wants to who wants to give that a shot? Yeah, sure. I'll take a go. So KYC stands for know your customer. It relates, generally speaking, to having to give specific identity information to a company or to an individual in order for them to be able to provide you in general. It normally is a legal obligation given the AML anti-money laundering laws. Now, of course, we might not agree with those laws or we might wish you know, for market regulation as opposed to government regulation. But the impact for Bitcoiners obviously is that, and this is a question that many of us have all spoken about and explored, even the risk of potentially capturing of bitcoin and does this mean that everyone is bagged and tagged as it were uh does that create a risk for the individual if their information were to be stolen or lost or potentially in the future would that create a target on people's backs either from the government perspective or from a private adversary's perspective 
Um, so I think there are different ways to think about it. Generally speaking, it relates to having to provide information about yourself, such as your passport or your driver's license. Uh, and that's for an individual. And then, of course, companies can also be required to KYC. Uh, and that might require things like company formation documents and so on. Broadly speaking, we're talking about this idea of having to show some identity documents. Um, now, in other requirements around AML and KYC and sanctions and things like this, companies might be required, and this is normal banks, might be required to do various activities, things like transaction monitoring and so on. So I'm sure we're going to get into a whole bunch of things like that. Uh, so I think th th those that's like the general idea. And of course, I guess it's 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 theoretically, are you even in a peer-to-peer -peer interaction, are you still having to provide some KYC or some in identifying information? Uh, but of course, the, the question is around who are you KYCing to and uh, how much information are you having to give? So I think that's probably a uh, just an overall summary for people. Anyone else want to? I think that was a. I mean, that was a pretty good summary. Uh, just to be clear, KYC AML stands for Know Your Customer Anti Money Laundering. Right, and, um, and it, one thing though, KYC is used colloquially. You, you know, amongst Bitcoiners, as just basically, um, it's taken on this kind of catch-all form now to where. Um, anything described where you've where you've provided any sort of personal information or maybe it's not completely anonymous um then it's referred to as as kyc or it's not non-kyc um so i think it's important especially for the purposes of this discussion that kyc is an actual procedure like there it is an actual technical procedure that you have to do you you go through, you provide all the information and details to the company that stores that information. So we're not talking about like if you're if you're mining at home and you're not using a VPN. Well, that's not non KYC. Of course, it's non KYC. It's just, it's not an anonymous. It may not be quote unquote perfectly private, but it's non KYC. So uh, that that colloquial use of the term kind of muddies the waters. I feel like in a lot of the debate. Yeah, and it, it's probably also useful to just kind of recognize that in a way it's an extension of the fiat system, right? Like if you go sign up for a bank account, uh, you know, you are providing legal documentation as to your, your legal identity. Um, so one way, another way to think about KYC is it, it, it kind of starts when you get your paycheck. Like the minute you have money in a checking account in the fiat system, that, that, that monetary energy is, is being it has to be accounted for it's it's tracked and it's tied to your legal identity and so then the question is as you go into the bitcoin ecosystem how far does that extend and you know most of the exchanges a large degree of them um continue that tradition right they collect all this legal documentation so that the, the bitcoin that you own is tied to that same legal identity um so that they can track from when you got paid in your career all the way through to what assets you own Yeah, I'm just going to quickly double down on what Diverter was saying. Um, you know, sometimes you hear people say, um, well, if you buy something from a merchant, um, you know, then you're you technically and they collected your shipping information. then that means you KYC yourself. And that's that's not like what this is referring to. We're talking about that long term collected stored data um, that ties you down to how much Bitcoin you bought, when you bought it and um, and then it assumes, right, that you still maintain that amount of Bitcoin. 
And that's kind of where I think that this whole conversation starts, well, uh, at least in my opinion. So, I mean, this is what I thought was an interesting place to start is like the definition of KYC. Um, I, in other aspects of our lives as Bitcoiners, we tend to make a point of not using terminology um, that is decided by other entities, oftentimes that are against Bitcoin or against privacy. Um, the, the big one that happened recently was when they said unhosted wallets instead of self-custody. When the regulators put that in writing, they said unhosted wallets. And what were they insinuating there? They were insinuating that, uh, that hosted wallets were the default and unhosted wallets were the, were the rarity. Even though in Bitcoin, it has historically been a culture dominated by self-custody. So I actually think that the term KYC in general and its attachment to this idea of anti-money laundering is we're already arguing on a back foot if you're talking about um, individual privacy and sovereignty. So I intentionally named the episode Bitcoin companies keeping lists of Bitcoiners in our transaction history because I feel like that is very clear what is happening. Yeah, not you know, not unlike a bank, you, you have these corporations that are collecting, um, I you know, ident little databases of identity uh, documents, and they're forced to hold those. So you, you know, you're doing financial stuff, and and so just like a bank, these exchanges are collecting that stuff. Right, but you know, my problem, for, and I don't. First of all, I want to say this before we get going here because it. Obviously, um, you know, we're I, I'm the non KYC guy and we've got the guys on here that are supposed to be the pro KYC guys. But I don't really believe these guys are, quote unquote, pro KYC. Um, I don't think anyone here is arguing for KYC. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure nobody's arguing for KYC. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not it's an acceptable trade off to achieve adoption, as far as I can tell. But having said that, I do want to make this point from a philosophical standpoint now, i don't want to get on a soapbox about it but i really do believe um kyc is at its heart antithetical to bitcoin as a whole um kyc is is in its very nature an exclusionary procedure it, it that is it's what it does it excludes certain people that they don't want to be able to transact from transacting or from being able to do whatever financial procedure you want to do it by its very nature it, it it's bound to exclude whereas bitcoin by its very nature is is supposed to be an, an all-inclusive or permissionless monetary network i mean the the pseudonymity of bitcoin i mean yeah it helps in a privacy aspect but really truthfully that's that's for, from an inclusion standpoint it's because anybody could be that uh, arrangement of characters on a screen that could be anybody anywhere so bitcoin i mean just from a philosophical standpoint is supposed to be this permissionless uh, inclusionary monetary network and the fact that that kyc is being ported over from this legacy financial system and just grafted onto bitcoin which is supposed to be a completely different sort of financial system it's just i, I don't see any other way to say it it's just antithetical to the entire uh, uh, ethos of Bitcoin, in my opinion. 
But yeah, again, I, I, don't want, I don't want to soapbox these things. I'm not trying to stand on a philosophical point here because that's a very easy argument to make. It's easy to sit up here and be the the you know uh, you should the fundamentalist type. The you know uh, you should never do this because I get that happens all the time in like the privacy communities. I don't think that's necessary to make this argument. Um, so I don't want to do that this whole time. But I I, I want to at least put that out there because I I can't stand the fact that. We're supposed to be building this brand new permissionless inclusionary system. And what do we do but graft on this horrible exclusionary procedure right on top of it? And it just normalized the whole thing. So that's that. Yeah, I'd, I'd want to agree with Diverted there and say that, you know, the, the, the financial surveillance is as antithetical to freedom as um, dragnet surveillance that came in after 9-11, it, it completely sidesteps um, fundamental rights. And, and, and so the fact that you have this broad financial surveillance everywhere um, in the banking system and in the ramps that lead in, you know, when you acquire Bitcoin is um, it's a it's not good. It's bad. It's a reality that we have to contend with. The best way to contend with it, I suggest, is to um, work, work within a framework that it exists and, and most of the adoption curve as it stands is entering through KYC. So now what, right? What do we do? And, and I mean, to my, to my view, the, the, the problem seems to be is that um, the, the, this fiat era isn't going over, going, going away tomorrow, right? So there, to, to some degree, um, we have like years, maybe decades of th this fiat era. Um, and when you disappear uh, wealth out of that fiat uh, uh, system, um, it's kind of like a one way if, if you try and move it into no KYC wealth. And th that's been my kind of view is that like, okay, my mental model is that like, okay, um, if I put all my wealth in Bitcoin and then my family uses it to pay on a mortgage later, right? Like it, that is because I'm working with institutionalized corporations on the other end, like that's going to be tied to my legal identity because I'm still living in the fiat world, part of me. But what I could do and, and what I think is interesting is I could build a no KYC stash that was destined for the Bitcoin era, almost like an emergency stash, a no KYC stash. And that's where I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback from me on, on like the value of like, home mining, the value of these exchanges that let people build, you know, plan and build an OKYC stash. Where I think it gets kind of messy is most of the world, you know, we're at a couple hundred basis points of adoption. Most of the world as, as it enters Bitcoin, they live in the KYC fiat world. And so they can't move all of their wealth into no KYC because it, they have liabilities, they pay lenders, they pay people that are KYC. And so that's a quandary more than anything that we just have to grapple with. And I don't have a good answer for that. And I guess I'm just curious, you know, what y'all's thinking on it? Y'all been, been in this space longer than I have. H how do you grapple with that? So uh, let me offer a few thoughts here. I think, of course, I, I'm not going to say bad things about non-KYC. I believe if you can acquire non-KYC, that's great. I, I just think it's a different trade-off balance for a lot of people and that there are people who are newer in their journey who you might try to teach them about the values of privacy, but they might not be interested. So I see it as 
the broader shift that we're trying to achieve is to take away the fiat power of money. And I believe that there is a broader shift. And just as I would, and I have argued and in articles about the cultural consequences of fiat money, I believe that when society switches over to Bitcoin, some of the, we're going to undo some of those fiat cultural consequences. And so from my perspective, I see it as as more people shift over to Bitcoin, and of course, some of those will be non-KYC and some of that will be KYC, but I think that will drive fundamental shifts in society. And I believe those are generally going to be better shifts for society. I think the aspect around what how much can be done about KYC. I think that's probably the more important question because I just I see this like we are living in the world where governments have all this power and there's only so much that private companies and private individuals can do about that. I think the important aspects are that people can still self-custody their coins. I think that's really the key point. Of course, then from then they're able to use CoinJoin and other privacy techniques, but I just see it fundamentally that yes, KYC has a risk, but for many people, they they are better off at least holding some than holding none. And so even if it is KYC coin, uh, I think in practice, if people end up having a little bit in both worlds, then so be it. If they have some KYC and some non-KYC, then so be it. Okay, but I th- I think that like um, the biggest piece, and this is a lot of where like my frustration on this whole topic kind of comes from, is that like we have all these people that have such like large platforms, and um, you know like yes, like we do like the acknowledgement of like hey, like no KYC is good. We should have a KYC escape hatch. We should have you know like try to store some of your stuff in no KYC is just in case, right? But the reality is like, how, how are we pushing all these people in this mass, I'm doing quotations because I'm a mass adoption of Bitcoin, right? If we are pitching them on censorship resistance, right? Decentralization, all of the like core foundations of Bitcoin, right? Instead of like being like, well, in the future, eventually, hopefully, maybe this KYC won't matter. You know, if you're onboarding people the right way, they're going to see KYC as like an immediate threat. They wouldn't want if you're onboarding people with that mindset, like you wouldn't want people to to like you. If you're like a person that's like, I don't want to I want this wealth to be out of the eyes and out of the hands of regulators. Right. Or the state. No KYC is your route. Like I've pitched that to older people and uh, who have a lot of money and they were immediately like, oh, I don't like how do I get no KYC? I don't want to buy it from Coinbase or anywhere else because. Like they're gonna have a track on that, and eventually I'm gonna have to pay taxes on it, right? Like eventually they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna know. Like they're not stupid, despite the fact that like you know people think boomers are dumb, it's not true, right? Like they especially like the wealthy ones, like those are the ones that like know they know the reality of this stuff. They know the reality of taxes and how the state can actually just like steal straight from you, right? So you know you pitch it in that way. The no KYC is that important, and you know, we, you want to opt out of the system, like no KYC is how you opt out of the system. And like, there are ways, like there are plenty of people who live on the, on, you know, they, they got on zero 
and they make it work in the fiat system in the fiat world, if you will. You know, so like I, I feel like we make a lot of excuses, but then on top of that, what are we doing as a Bitcoin community, right? Like, what are we doing to make no KYC like acquiring it easier? Because the biggest the biggest pushback that I hear about like oh well like no KYC is just it's just easier and people don't want to do it, right? Well, like what are we doing as a Bitcoin community to make it easier? Like we have BISC and that's great. But like, what what can we be doing better? And that that should be the conversation, not like, oh, well, this is the easiest thing to do at the time, so let's just go that route. Or like, everyone just do home mining. Home mining isn't isn't something that every single person has the money to put up and do. Like, I, I obviously support uh, home mining. I think more people should do it, but that's not like a reality that every single person can do. You know, with their with their income. You know, so that that's kind of where I guess I step off and I, I start to think about how the no KYC KYC argument goes is like, what are we peddling versus what should we be peddling? And what's our responsibility as Bitcoiners to like, you know, to inform people on. It, it might be a good opportunity to get the, to, to get the kind of the agreement that um, forward privacy on settlement is absolutely vital. I mean, this idea that anytime you settle to a, a party, that they're not able to introspect introspect your financial business. Um, so I think like, I, I hope that it goes without saying everyone here wants to see forward privacy eventually become across most people's Bitcoin stack the default. Um, and, and when we talk KYC, we mean backwards looking privacy, which is to say, you know, you, you essentially have an, an exchange that has a list of how much Bitcoin you have, and you're gonna have to account for that um, uh, whenever you sell it, right? And 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 so, you know, I, like I, I think it's important to say that no, no one, everyone here is pro privacy. Um, you have a Bitcoin wallet; you should be able to settle to parties and, and not have your privacy divulged. Um, uh, so I, I helped my my parents onboard to Bitcoin because they saw. Not, not because they thought it was cool, they were going to make money, but they saw the groceries, uh, the price of groceries raising and it started to scare them. And they've seen countries go through hyperinflation and, and you know, red book and, and this and that. And um, their concern is like they don't have so much money that they can, you know, like one, they don't want to go to like El Salvador. Right. They want to stay in in the fiat era in their fiat country. Right. So they're in a KYC country in the U.S. and they like. They have a cabin that they want to pay on the mortgage on. So they can't have the SATs leave the fiat system because they have expenses in the fiat system. If they had a big stack of no KYC and they pay Chase Bank with those SATs, um, I mean, you see what I'm saying, right? You kind of, you know, your legal person now has payment of, of uh, uh, to Chase Bank. And, and so you haven't really disappeared any money from accountability. And so... This is why, like, I actually think of no KYC as a one-way road. Like, you are those sats are destined for the Bitcoin-only economy, and and for me, that's an argument that it's actually at the end of a Bitcoiner's progression. Like, when you get into Bitcoin, like, you might accidentally buy like grayscale. You're buying paper Bitcoin, and then you get coached, and you're like, "Wow, I need to hold my Bitcoin. I need to hold my keys." And then eventually, people are like, "You know, you should have some no KYC sats because where we're going, we're not going to." You know, you're, you're not going to need <laughs> where we're going. You're not going to need KYC. You're not going to want it. But until we get there, like 
you're not going to take your no KYC stash and, and pay chase with it. And you're not going to, you know, yeah, I understand you can get gift cards, right. And you can, or whatever, there's, there's mechanisms by which you can make purchases um, for okay. goods, but, but any real, like, what do you do there? I guess that's my question. Yeah. Like what, what would you advise to my parents or, you know, as the rest of the world kind of gets onto Bitcoin, how do we solve that? Cash, money orders. Like, yeah. You can, sell, just... you can sell your Bitcoin and yes. you can turn that around and, and use it to buy things. It's um, just not going to be as convenient as having like an in-app, uh, you know, you can just instantly send like Stripe or whatever. I don't even know if you're sending Bitcoin. But, you know, it just shows up as whatever it is that you need it to show up as. Um, but it's more like in no way, shape or form are the no KYC stats that I've acquired uh, stuck until hyper Bitcoinization or whatever. Like I've regularly spend Bitcoin. I pay my bills in Bitcoin. I may not pay it directly in Bitcoin. I do when I can. Um, but when I can't, I hop on, I'll find somebody, I'll sell for cash, I'll use, I'll get a money order, or whatever I need to do. It's just not as convenient, I suppose, um, mm -hmm. in this current, uh, you know, as you said, fiat world. Um, but my, the whole idea here, what I can't quite wrap my mind around is this, this adversarial mindset. Um, of Bitcoin and not only the adversarial mindset, but the actual coding of Bitcoin and all the, the trade-offs um, and things that, that were made in Bitcoin's development. I, like, what are, we, what are we doing that for? Why are we making these trade-offs? Why can't we just accept a little bit more centralization? It would make things a lot easier. The more centralized your thing, it makes you can be a lot faster can, you can do a whole lot of things, uh, even more privacy. You can get you know, a lot more privacy, just whatever you want to do if you just trade off these other things. But we're not willing to do that with Bitcoin. We make specific trade-offs, even though it may be, quote unquote, slower or it, whatever. Um, and I mean, the only, the only thing I could figure we're making these trade-offs because specifically we're trying to make Bitcoin so that it does not rely on anyone's good graces to operate that it is able to operate in an adversarial environment. That's that's where we're, we're going if, in my opinion, Bitcoin is at all successful. It's very possible that this KYC data doesn't matter at all, ever. But in my opinion, the only way that happens is if Bitcoin never becomes an actual threat to USD hegemony and, and the greater powers at large. Like if if nobody, if Bitcoin's not actually a good safe, uh, you know, a safety hatch or somewhere that people can opt out of this panopticon that they're very obviously building and moving towards CBDCs and shit like that. If yeah. Bitcoin isn't that safe haven it, and it just stays as like this, this speculative asset that goes up and down based off of whatever the Fed decides to do, whether they want to cut rates or rate, whatever they want to do, Bitcoin goes up or down. If it stays like that and it's not this real actual opt-out escape hatch for people, then who gives a shit about the KYC data? Why would they care? But if we do actually start challenging their power, I don't see a world where that just happens peacefully and easily and they just hand over this godlike power of money printing without there being some sort of, like, uh, for lack of a better word, attack on the people that are taking this power away from them. 
And so we, we prepare with the coding of Bitcoin so that it is able to operate in an adversarial environment. I just don't know why we wouldn't, as Bitcoiners with our own personal individual stashes, do the same thing and try to make sure that our Bitcoin is able to operate in an adversarial environment, no matter whether that they declare it's legal or not. And even if, you know, people hold their own keys, you know, we, we can say that holding your own keys is even more important than no KYC. Well, okay. But what, what are you actually implying there? The implication is that because you hold your own keys, they can't just do a blanket 6102 order on the exchanges and take everybody's Bitcoin. Fine. Granted. But well, if, I mean, if they do do that, if they do go towards that aspect, not a ban of Bitcoin, but say a ban on self-custody, you could still, yep. quote unquote, own Bitcoin, but it, you're going to have to custody it with an approved exchange. Well, if you hold your own keys, they can't just take that from you. So what they're going to have to coerce you into that. So the implication being, as long as you hold your own keys, you're able to resist this coercion. I don't see any way around that. That's what that's how would you would do it. Um, so, so why are we not preparing fully? I just don't understand why you would prepare in all these other areas and then hand over your entire identity to purchase Bitcoin. I mean, I think I think Diverta really hit the nail on the head here, and I, I want to unpack this as one of the main aspects of this conversation, in my opinion, um, is the fact that Bitcoin companies, all major Bitcoin companies, uh, are required by law to keep an ever-growing list of Bitcoiners in our transaction history, um, share that information, keep it forever. I mean, they say they keep it for seven years. It might as well be forever. Um, you should assume that it's forever. Is, is this an attack on Bitcoin? Is this the first attack on Bitcoin? Uh, are we going to see this evolve? Are we going to see regulated exchanges put other restrictions on Bitcoin? Are we going to see burdensome tax policy imposed on people who are using Bitcoin? Um, are we going to see all of this data basically weaponized against Bitcoiners and what is, you know, the next five years of this type of situation and do people that are onboarding onto Bitcoin right now understand these trade-offs they're making? Because I'm pretty sure they're, they, they aren't. So let me jump in here. I think one of the ways to think about this is we're going on this journey of trying to help people shift their wealth into the Bitcoin system. And some of those people are not as willing to take all the same steps to go fully non-KYC for various reasons that they may not be able to access the liquidity. They just may not. They may struggle with the UX hurdles and not having somebody to hold their hand while they go through this. Of course, we can help our family and friends, but there will be people who are coming through who don't have access to a person who's willing to spend and spend that time with the non-KYC aspect of it. And so I think to your point, adult, so answering your question around what does it look like in the future, it's, yes, it's quite possible that we see more and more regulation come down the line from the government or more encroachment in terms of things like, uh, let's say, the FATF travel rule. Now, some of this stuff was in place even before Bitcoin, right? So... The laws and things that caused AML laws, so the Bank Secrecy Act in the US, organizations like the FATF, the Financial Action Task Force, 
these are some of the underlying entities driving this KYC pressure. And these entities all sort of form a club and they start bullying each other to do more KYC. And they bully countries to then say, hey, you are on the blacklist unless you implement new AML laws in your country. Right. So in Europe, there's AML 5D and there's all these different right AML laws that they're trying to press, sort of ram down our throats. Now, we don't want that. And I believe that's something that could be pushed back at the root cause. If we were to start pushing back against the likes of FATF and to have some of the politicians aware of that, because I, I, I see this as a multi-pronged battle, right? This is there's people on the on the non-KYC only side who are just trying to build that non-KYC economy. And I see it like there will be people who are trying to push back in the, in the white market side, in the, in the government side, in the political side. They're going to play that political game. And so I've done episodes about some of the ineffectiveness of AML laws. I did an episode with Ron Paul talking about the problem of AML laws, that it, it's really that's the source of the problem. Uh, and that I think, like, while I accept, yes, there is a risk that Bitcoin companies are having to keep lists of Bitcoiners and transaction history. That's the legal requirement. I, I wish it weren't so. But I think one of the ways to help against that in the longer term is to build up the base of Bitcoin people, the people who hold Bitcoin. Yes, many of those people coming in will have KYC. I wish it wasn't that way. But I think this is the reasonable way because in the future, yes, if there's not enough pushback, yes, I think they are going to do things like wealth taxes. They might even potentially, we're seeing them raise flags about things like unrealized capital gains taxes. Right now, if that were to occur, if that were to come to pass, then that would be really, really bad for Bitcoin holders. And I believe at that point, there'd be, you would have probably enough Bitcoiners with enough of a political will to back or to start doing uh but those are some of the risks that are potentially coming down the line if the i guess that political battle isn't fought yeah i think there, there's something to that wait laser one second uh before stefan you see your your boy katan asked you a question <laughs> yeah Sure. If we could right. push back on governments, Bitcoin would never need to exist. We cannot advocate them to stop printing money. Why would they stop collecting personal information? Yeah, look, it's a good question. But I think ultimately, so my answer would be that we can push back on certain aspects of it. If there's enough of a political will, if there's enough people who actually would go to a, you know, to try and vote for a person who is who sees the danger with this, right? And I'll give you an example, right? So, you know, uh, as uh, Odell says, right, our Queen Cynthia uh, has spoken about things like the the unfairness or the injustice of the reporting threshold being down at $600. And this thing, this is just a general financial services KYC thing. They are continually clamping down. And this is not just a Bitcoin thing. It's just, it's just an in general thing. So I think this is the other point I see as well, that I think it's like, I think some of this is sort of shooting the messenger, right? It's like, it's almost like you're, you're, you're blaming Bitcoin companies when they're trying to help. They're the ones actually trying to help people get on board to Bitcoin. Other people are you know, not, there's other people who are not even involved in the space at all and not trying to help people get into Bitcoin at all. 
And I also think how fair is it to expect these small Bitcoin companies, and especially the Bitcoin only ones, much smaller than the likes of the Coinbase's of the world, that their ability to even push back on their own is, is extremely limited. They are this tiny entity at risk of basically losing. If, if they lose their license, they lose their ability to compete and they lose all you know ability to actually play. You know, It's ticket to play. If you lose that license, you're gone. You're out. I, I think these are some of the ways that people are. Yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there. I think someone else wanted to comment. So, yeah, yeah just just real quick, like the uh, I mean, exchanges have been around forever, right? Like, I don't think anyone's coming back. And right now we're saying like, oh, exchanges, 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 like shooting the messenger. Like they're they're Exchanges are in it to make money, like otherwise they would not be able to operate. That's why. You know, it's all about appeasing the government. And that's ultimately where it's like, you know, it's 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 weird when, you know, you see people who are like, you know, and, and this isn't just like directed at, at you guys. It's just in general, you see it all the time. A Bitcoiner is just like talking out of two sides of their mouth. Where they're like, we want to end the state, but I'm going to like, but KYC is the way to do that. And you're like, by utilizing KYC, those KYC exchanges, right, have to appease and be bootlickers to the state, right? Like their whole thing is that they need to do whatever it is that the state tells them to do in order to play the game, right? So while you could argue that, oh, well, like they're trying to do something to get more Bitcoiners on and like being a Bitcoin only exchange is like, sure, that's a, I mean, it's better than being, you know, a casino or whatever, sure. But like at the end of the day, right? um exchanges are in it to make money like that that is their financial like they are in it financially like that is why that they are there right because if they weren't there's plenty of other things that they could be doing to make this better for bitcoiners or do the absolute bare minimum as far as reporting goes or whatever they could do to prove to bitcoiners that they are they are doing the very bare minimum because that to me is like the ethos of bitcoin the, the ethos of bitcoin is about you know, being outside of the state to not be, you know, um, compliant and not be, you know, regulated or have restrictions on who you can and cannot transact with. That is why we are censorship resistant. The moment that everything is KYC'd and that we continue to say, oh, it's okay, because eventually we won't be KYC'd or eventually the state will die. That's not going to happen. Like, that's not going to happen. The state, it's a threat. If we're going to talk about Bitcoin as what it is supposed to be, which is censorship resistant, peer-to-peer -peer transactions, you know, the, the digital cash that, that goes away, that goes away the moment that it actually becomes a threat to the government. So what do you do? You continue to regulate. If you're the government, you just continue to regulate, regulate, continue to list, keep it going, make restrictions harder and harder. As you see it become more and more of a threat, right? You make more and more laws that are based around these people exactly, because if the majority of Bitcoiners are people that are just in it for number go up or whatever, they don't care about KYC. They don't care about that stuff. Right. They care about their their bags getting pumped. Right. So it comes down to, to preaching the ethos and getting people to understand like what Bitcoin is about. Right. And how to operate in that Bitcoin world. Right. It's it's not about just um, it's not about just like getting as many Bitcoins on as possible. Like that, that to me is um, that should happen on its own. Right. If Bitcoin the logic being right, everyone says Bitcoin is the is revolutionary money, right? If it's revolutionary money, it will it will adopt itself, right? The market will speak for itself. We don't need to peddle the 
um, the KYC exchanges to saying the only means. And then the, the only other point I was going to add real quick, the whole self custody off of exchanges as like a, as like a privacy, like, like the whole reason that, you know, not your keys, not your coins. Like I started before the KYC debate, right? Like that was like a Mount Gox. Like, like they got, how many exchanges got hacked since Mount Gox people just lost their coins. Like that was a different, totally different thing. Uh, it didn't have to do with like forward privacy of whatever. Like it, it had to do with people losing their, their Bitcoin. So I just like, I feel like that was just a point that doesn't need to be uh, brought up for whatever reason, but yeah. So that, that was, I just feel like it depends on how we're, how you are looking at Bitcoin will shape how you see KYC. That's my opinion. Sure, the, of, of um, course it does, but like know, whether or not it, it's still about. Go ahead, go ahead, because I got a lot of rebuts to do. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, um, you're not yeah, it, me. like okay. Whether 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 or not we convince new Bitcoiners to hold their own keys or not, I think that's absolutely fundamental. I mean, you know, especially going back to what you're saying about the risk of a of a sixty one oh two, a kind of like broad. Um, dictate that that allows the state to either confiscate Bitcoin or, or sort of like a paperification that we saw with gold. So it's trapped in regulated custodians. Like that's a real risk. And, and the, you know, what you want is enough Bitcoin held in cold storage where people are custodying it themselves that the the unit economics of, of that the application of the monopoly on force in that way is fundamentally inverted, right? If if nobody holds Bitcoin holds their own keys, then you haven't inverted the the um, application of force there, right? It's it's very easy to coerce a small number of parties. Um, to me, this it, it, it reminds me of like the the firearms issue in the United States. So. Um, you know, up until recently, most of the world, most of Westerners who didn't understand why Americans were are allowed to own guns, you know, they're in this place where like they're looking at maybe having to scan their biometrics to see if they're like able to purchase groceries. Right. But in the U.S., we don't have these, you know, we don't a broad ownership of firearms, just the specter of firearms being broadly owned across a people really does stay the the ultimate tyranny of the state like that has been proven and of course in the u.s most firearms are kyc right you like you provide your info your legal info so they know who has guns and and of course they've tried kyc persecution um but they only can do it at small scale it's the 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 ownership of guns is too broad in the u.s to do um you know nationwide political persecution that wouldn't be politically viable and what's funny is now that there's a culture of guns um be it that they're kyc but we have a culture of guns in the us we have this this no kyc escape uh, escape hatch developing where people are basically uh, they're manufacturing their own firearms which is it's super geeky and cool um now i don't i wouldn't stop people from getting kyc firearms i would say get it the more people that had it the better that broad ownership really neuters the ability to do broad KYC persecution. But I, I would encourage gun people to geek out with like 3D printing and stuff, right? Like make that escape hatch really healthy and irreversible. And 
that's kind of how I feel about Bitcoin. It's like, I don't want to stop anyone from getting into Bitcoin. I want to, I want to, I want it to be as broad as possible. I want to help people hold their keys. So it eliminates the, the paperification and confiscation risk. It makes it politically inviolable. And at the same time, I want enough adoption that they can't do broad KYC persecution because like Stefan was saying, it's, it's not that I want KYC. It's that I'm able to reconcile the reality that there is broad KYC. The adoption curve is entering through that. Now what? And I just look at guns as like, there's a reasonable analogy there. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, um, I would say the one absolute red line that the gun lobby or whatever has always drawn is on a national gun registry. That is the one line they absolutely will not allow to be crossed. Now, the Second Amendment... Uh, you know, as written, I mean, as far as I could tell, all gun laws are infringements. Um, so every gun law should be unconstitutional as far as I can tell. Uh, but the one single place that all, of all the compromises of, of all the Californication of, you know, gun ownership and you, you restrict to this and restrict that, that all these were accepted and compromised and compromised and compromised until we got to the National Gun Registry. And that's a hard red line and they will not accept it. And I think there is a definitely a lesson in that. There's also a lesson in the 3D gun printing community and uh, the the defense distributed, the, the Cody Wilson, uh, their outfit. When they started posting these files and stuff online, and the State Department uh, came after them. Now, the State Department ended up backing down quietly. Um, they ended up backing down from from what they were trying to do. They backed down quietly. They quietly passed uh, the the these this regulation off until uh, the Commerce Department, I believe. And what the Commerce Department did was swiftly turn around and write the laws exactly as how Defense Distributed was doing their website. They wrote the law around how, okay, the way they're doing it's legal. And uh, as far as I could tell, the only way that that uh, result ended up that way is not because of political good graces. It is because they couldn't win. And they knew that they can't win. Now, the problem with only um, self-custody, and self-custody is absolutely paramount. Don't at all for a second get that twisted. Uh, because even in the Mount Gox days and all that, yes, sure, it was about keeping exchanges from being hacked. But it's uh, from day one, as far as the trade-offs of Bitcoin goes, this has always been about surviving an adversarial environment, period, point blank. That's what this whole thing is about. Because if it can't survive an adversarial environment, then we're Liberty Reserve again or whatever else. So every trade-off has been for that. And so then here we come and they can't brute force attack this thing. They can't just do all these things that they want and shut it down like Liberty Reserve. They can't go get the centralized server. So what can they do? They can slowly strangle it by just grafting on this piece of legacy crap that we know doesn't work. Everyone knows that it doesn't work. It's been proven that it doesn't work, especially for the people that are most often targeted with it. And then your smaller players, the, the, the rich people, they do what they want. So they just graph this on so that now this is our attack vector. And the good thing about this attack vector is it doesn't even have to look like one. It's, it's, it's welcoming. You can do whatever you want with your Bitcoin. All you got to do is fill out all this information. Now, the gun community knows very well registration leads to confiscation. And yes, as guns are initially purchased legally um, speaking, of course, there's a, a background check procedure and all that stuff that happens. 
but it's also there there is the the hard line has been drawn about tracking transfers of guns those those guns can be transferred legally um and there is no national gun registry that actually says this is what's happened to it so what i think is is the problem here is i feel like i feel like people get way too much credit for being able to resist that's what i feel like um i said i was going to blast him a couple times on this episode i might as well go ahead and get started now um i'm not so sure that i want just everybody holding bitcoin right now they are they're welcome to i i would i would sure go ahead get you some um but i i'm not interested in, in bitcoin for grandma grandma better be super base or have a super based son or grandson that that teaches her how to do this stuff because we don't send grandmas out to fight our fights for us and we haven't had our fight yet and it seems like everybody's playing this game as if we've already won as if bitcoin is inevitable but what have we really done um there there are a couple places around the globe where people are escaping their hyperinflation of their currencies and uh, believe me it's tremendous i love to see it but we're, those, that's not the united states that's not the world reserve currency that's being escaped that's not people finding an escape route out of the usd hegemony that's something entirely different and money the power to print money is something entirely different than than anything else in the world because as I'm sure we all would agree, the, the ability to, to print money on a whim essentially funds this whole clown world that we run in. And so if something actually starts to begin to siphon away that power from them, I don't, for, for the life of me, I can't see how that happens. I don't see some sort of like flash crash death of the legacy system. I, I just don't see how we get from point A of we're taking all their power to point C of we're we're in a, a hyper Bitcoinization type world without the big ass fight in point B, and I feel like the people fighting the no KYC fight are our trench trench warfare guys. There we're digging the trenches and and we're fighting our fight. We're preparing for our fight to come, and and I sometimes it feels to me like the well if we just accepted the KYC, I feel like you're in no man's land right now. You're in between the trenches. I, I don't understand why all these trade-offs are made to survive an adversarial environment all the way down to the point of the individual being able to resist because I promise you if an order was to come down of a self-custody ban, just that, not a ban on Bitcoin because I don't think that'll ever happen, but just a ban on P2P transacting or self-custody or whatever from a legal standpoint, people that have never KYC'd before in their life will be turning their coins in. People will 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 trip over each other to tell on their neighbor because they complied and their neighbor didn't. Like the amount of compliance that we've seen in 2020, 2021 and now into 2022, I don't see how you have seen this world and how people react and still think that there will be any sort of like actual resistance if if the actual holders of the bitcoin are just any old Joe Schmo and not somebody that's actually got into this thing, understanding that I might be looking at a deadly fight coming in the future. And so I, I want to see people get on it, but not at the expense of, of, you know, having to hand over their entire identity to do so. I don't think it's necessary. I really don't. I don't think adoption has failed to, uh, to this point. 
Um, you know, we've went from zero to a trillion dollar asset without having quote unquote mass adoption. I don't understand where the failure's at. I, I feel like there's plenty of stuff that we've accomplished that that now this is their attack vector because we've cordoned off all the other areas of Bitcoin appropriately as we should. And that we've left the back door open. And it just it it, it irritates me to no end to to see people that have likely never felt the weight of the state crushing down on them because it is a crushing feeling. Everything I need to know about Bitcoin, I learned in prison and people will tell and people will comply because they're scared. They're scared of losing their, their freedom, their families, their money, their everything. They will comply. I promise you. And I feel like we have an ability now to get people like even the people on this panel that are willing to dig in to absolutely dig their heels in and know this is this is not happening and fight through this fight but it makes you not only willing but it makes you able if you don't give over your whole identity to do so i know you're willing but i need you to be able as well like you know, know, i've, I've ran it long enough in, in a broader sense it's it, it's i i think we should give more credence to the weight of political entrenchment i mean the political the, the politically entrenched uh firearm culture in the u.s has stayed the absolute tyranny of this COVID imperialism like it see, has I would disagree. You, you could I, be I, in I, town I, to not see it at all and, and so why wouldn't we want bitcoin to become politically entrenched you already have senators and governors you already have grandmas you know they're not trying to escape the state they're trying to defend themselves from inflation you have tucker carlson talking about it i don't think sailors going to be carted off to a black site right bitcoin's legal property so i want political entrenchment broad political entrenchment i want it to become an election issue um where the republicans say we'll take the other side of that and how and broad does it national issue yeah, how broad does it need to be how broad i mean we just saw a vaccine mandate just tried to attempt to be shoved down on literally half the entire population. I don't know what politically untenable means these days. As far as I could tell, the only way something is politically untenable is if it's within your own party. Like there is no line the quote unquote other side will not cross. Uh, to, and I don't I don't see how I mean, this is something that I would actually likely uh, uh combine the side that they would be willing to combine forces because everyone can agree that it's important that the united states has a stranglehold on this uh, economy and on the u.s dollar like we can't allow that to go away uh, everyone can agree with that everybody can get on board with that we have to be the intransigent minority and we can accomplish so much just being an intransigent minority we don't need the whole point of these trade-offs is to not need them to be you know, politically aligned with us. It's great if they are, but I'm not begging for them because we've we've built the stuff to not have to. That's why it's the way it is. I, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, like uh, just and just to be clear, right? Like you have firearms, which are meant for self protection and everything else. Which regulation has been steadily increasing over time. Which that right there in itself for Americans, like that should be a sign. That should be your warning of how regulation can happen, right? Like they don't need to outright ban guns, right? They don't. They can make they can make it so unattainable for you to do it that that you they get to select who basically gets to own guns. So I guess the, the I last would, two years were the greatest years in firearm purchases that we've ever yeah, seen. And you, 
but they're doing the exact opposite thing if, if what oh, they want to do is yes. restrict gun ownership right but you say that like as a so as now a, do money printing now do money printing right like but that's not the same say that, thing. like owning own, like buying ammunition right maintaining your training status like you can't just like go out and just buy guns and be like okay i'm ready to fight the state you're not you need to train. You need to go shoot. You need to practice. Like like all of those things, and that's why they know I don't need to ban guns, right? I'll make it's about it about defending reasonable. families. It's not about fighting the state. I'll make ammunition more expensive. I'm just saying that looking at how the slow, uh, the slow and steady regulation and increasing like regulation on firearms is a great example of why we should be worried. So we can say, yeah, like it increased over two years. That's cool. That's because people are afraid, which is good. Right. Inflation should scare people into Bitcoin. Yes. But like you have to think about the regulation on that side and you're never going to see. And on a, a, a different note, you're never going to see the establishment government, the current status quo that we have. It doesn't matter who's in who's president. It doesn't matter who's there. Right. Like we're we're not going to see a day where people who come into power in the fiat system and are willing to just fight for a non fiat system. Like they like I think we're beginning to see it. I think we're beginning to see it on the right that you you have politicians taking up Bitcoin. The Bitcoin banner. They haven't done anything. It's easy to pander. Like they they pander. And that's easy. It's it's like it's like saying, like, oh, we believe like how many times have we heard them say, like, oh yeah, we're against censorship and uh in the big tech space. Nothing happens, nothing changes. It's a talking point. So like until something happens, then then I'll be convinced. Right. Well, I don't want to rely listen, on the state. I don't want to rely on the state in order for Bitcoin to be successful. That's really what, what it comes you, to. What you are describing with no KYC is, is essentially having people vanish their wealth and live away from the fiat checks and balances. And I think that's a fine story to tell people as build an escape hatch and it's an, it's, a, it's an emergency fund in case the state goes pathological. That is a broad message. We could tell that to the hundreds of millions of Bitcoiners that come online. But but people are, they're not trying to defeat the state. They're trying to preserve their time and, and, and defend them, their families against inflation. That's the same rule with guns. They're not trying to join a militia and defeat the state. They're trying to defend their families. So I'm just saying as a matter of a onboarding progression, you wouldn't start with defeat the state. You say, yes, you can defend your family from inflation. You should hold the keys. You should buy firearms. When we all do it, the power dynamics change to so the state doesn't have unlimited access to our time, to our bodies, right? And that's the point. I'm just, I'm merely speaking to the network effects of political entrenchment. Um, it works. It's called, yeah. I, well, I'm just, I, I don't think you're wrong that, that, um, this this message of protecting your family against inflation is is you know is more resounding to, to more people than it is to you know let's destroy the state. It's I, I completely um, acknowledge that. The, here's the problem, as far as I could tell, with that is because when you get people like a sailor um, in this situation, and, I, and I'm just using him, I don't mean him specifically because listen, here, here's the thing, KYC, okay, fine. There's different aspects of Bitcoin because many, many, many people in this world do not view Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer permissionless um, payments network. What they view it as is, quite frankly, a speculative asset, something that they can trade um, or something that they can maybe, you know, just a, a, a store of value. And there is no real transaction. They're not transacting. They don't care to transact. Uh, all they're trying to protect is their USD purchasing power. And I get that. 
those people will likely go through KYC because who gives a shit? Because as you, I think, correctly noted, they're just trying to protect their families from inflation. Now, the problem, though, here is that if you get so many of those that are only protecting against inflation, so that all we're doing is really just KYC so we can hold this thing to protect our purchasing power, nobody's guarding the transaction part of Bitcoin, the permissionless part of peer-to-peer transacting. And my fear is that as much as I do believe Saylor would defend Bitcoin's right to be legal as a store of value, I don't think he would put up one piece, one of iota of a fight, really, truly, over its peer-to-peer um, you know, transaction ability outside of government regulation. I don't think he would at all. Now, you might be able to make the argument to him that if you lose that peer-to-peer transacting ability, that it may affect his number go up situation. Possible. But... The problem is it, if we dig so many people in this, I'm just protecting against inflation. Then, I mean, who actually does need to transact with Bitcoin? Who's actually transacting? As far as I could tell, the only people that would actually need to transact with Bitcoin in a way that is not regulated by the government. Well, I mean, they must be criminals or dissidents. Why else would they want to transact without being regulated? So does, I, an, fear does an El Salvador is, fit in this? Does an El Salvador fit in this thought? though like you, you know you have these not at all jurisdictions at all. coming online that are okay tell me about that not at all it's a it's a government instituted they they if you get now now this is actually a pretty good example because you've got okay. this top down bitcoin adoption through el salvador through the government that they're just dumping onto onto people whatever it is 30 dollars worth of bitcoin whatever now it's legal to to transact with bitcoin but if we get that audience there now to actually understand what Bitcoin is, because as you've, I think, correctly noted, it's hard to deny that the vast majority of adoption as it happens right now comes through KYC initially. And that's generally because most people don't understand what the hell Bitcoin is when they first buy it. I know I didn't. I thought it was a stock. Um, I didn't know what I had. But the day that I felt like I kind of understood what Bitcoin was, I immediately began trying to figure out how I could sever my identity from it. Now, if we can get that same exact community in El Salvador to understand that this Bitcoin thing really is powerful and it really does give you the power back instead of these oligarchs and all these elites ruling the world, it really does give you individual power back then I guarantee you they'll be they'll they'll be ready to take that once they've understood this. It, it, the no KYC is what allows them to actually have the power and not be acting in a permissioned way. Like otherwise, I'm just making the transactions that whoever says to make. And I don't understand how the problem with as I see it with mass adoption, quote unquote, quite frankly, is is custody. That's where you run into a problem with mass adoption. That's why I'm not I'm not th- this mass adoption guy that that um, tries to get as many people onboarded as quickly as I can. I don't think that's a good a good strategy simply because the masses and and, and I'm, I'm sorry I will not have my mind changed on that. The quote unquote masses will not ever hold their own keys. Now you might be able to get an Uncle Jim type scenario where you hold your keys for your family, but the vast majority. In a mass adoption type scenario, I don't see any other way around it than they would hold their keys with a trusted third party. So I feel like we can get to that point. But to get to that point, we need to get through this fight first. Like there's no 
I don't see any reason why anyone would put their flag down, politically even, and stand up for the right to transact outside of government regulations with Bitcoin in a permissionless fashion. I don't understand where that, where that, how that gets here politically. Now, to transact, sure, but not to do so in a purely peer-to-peer fashion outside of regulation. I don't understand how anybody tries to make that case to get elected. I don't see it. Is that the 6102 account from uh, Twitter, that really iconic account that disappeared in this chat? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. Yes, I love yeah. that account. This is, this is his show. This is his show. Dude. I created one of the reasons. Oh, one of the reasons I created Dispatch was so that he could participate without doxing his voice. Um, Never forget, Never forget but, when uh, Odell had him on. And I had to do the voiceover for no, him. no. Lavera had had sixty one hundred two on, and I was sixty one hundred two's <laughs> voice. Um, yeah, sixty one hundred two made a very good point uh, that I feel like hasn't been properly highlighted here, which is that KYC isn't just about the risk of the state. The companies collecting the info and the state are incapable of keeping the information safe. Once it's recorded at registration, it's inevitable that it will eventually be accessed by criminals. Which is it's an absolutely crucial point here because the whole the whole excuse that is used for KYC AML regulation and these rapidly growing lists of Bitcoiners in our transaction history is that it stops criminal activity. But criminals are just either buying KYC data um, or they're That's they're awesome. stealing it. Uh, they, they there's literally there's markets that are enabled by Bitcoin that allow them to to pay underprivileged people, $40, $100 worth of Bitcoin to go KYC on Binance for them so that they can get through those measures. But it's honest citizens that are getting fucked by it. They don't want an escape hatch. Christine Lagarde, if there's a escape hatch, they'll use it. And that, you know, it's folks think that I'm, you know, I'm against these no KYC um, uh, methods. No, I think, you know, it's absolutely fundamental. We have a healthy and irreversible escape hatch that's growing. I just, I, I, I can't follow the logic of how we get it to the beginning of the bit Bitcoin progression. Like the, the fundamental constraint that once I have a bunch of no KYC sats, I can't I can't uh, interact with the KYC world anymore. That's a hard, big, that's a big pill to swallow for for, you know, for most of the world. Right. What, so, we, I, I don't I, I don't understand this point, though. I mean, there's like, like I said, hell, the, the, the samurai wallet guy's been living on Bitcoin since what, 2013, 14. Like they've got yeah, mortgages yeah. and car payments. And like, it's not as if th- this that assumption so, would, would so, mean so, that only Bitcoin could be spent. But all of your wealth is KYC when you earn it. So if you have, you know, money orders showing up, at, you know, at, at banks to pay for this and that. It, you know, that's a that's a very easily interrogatable paper trail that any investigation would surface. You're, so in the same way, you're going to have to account where did that wealth came from? We see that you amassed wealth through your career in the KYC world. You held it in dollars. OK, now you're paying for assets. Where Talk to us about in between. And, and so all I'm getting at is, OK, I have a, a emergency stash uh, so that my family could flee if 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 the state becomes pathological. We could go to like an El Salvador. It would be treated as money there. Uh, that would be really awesome. And I hope more countries join. But I'm not going to pay my mortgage with those with that emergency stash because I don't want to all of a sudden have my legal name tied to uh, funds coming from this gray area. Right. That, that is that's not 
free. That's a different shaped risk. And so listen, I'll give you, I, I, I would even grant you like, if we're talking about some major purchase, like you're going to buy a house with cash, um, you know, obviously you're going to set off some red flags, but when we're talking about like paying a mortgage bill or, you know, which is what I see so often talked about, or even making, you know, down payments, of, even if we're talking, you know, 10,000, $15,000, like those, it, it, this is not like end of the world. You're busted. Uh, there's no point in having no KYC. I mean, sell the Bitcoin and do what you need to do with the fiat. Like if we're living in both worlds still, um, then just do that. And if we're not living in both worlds still, if if this uh, you know fiat world ends, and now you know we're we're in this Bitcoin era with only no KYC sets. I mean, I would I would. I would just be shocked to find that that uh, I would still encounter the same exact problems of having to account for funds if we've already transitioned. So I don't understand really. Again, like I've said, granted, if you're going to buy a, a quarter, a half a million, or a million dollar home, you know, you're not exactly going to go sell your Bitcoin and and then walk up with cash and pay like that. I'll grant you that. Um, but still, that doesn't mean you would first of all have to dox all of your non KYC stash. Or secondly, that regular everyday payments and activities can't be done with uh, no KYC sats. I mean, it's done. It's done regularly. Yeah. While I was thinking about it, because that really just hit on me. But this, the no KYC has a very. I mean, I'm sorry. KYC procedure has a very uh, strong tie to like the vaccine for me because the, they both they both don't at all do what they're supposed to do, but everybody is being forced into doing it. You know what I mean? Well, I and, mean, and, and, Diverto, gonna, that's that's the point, right? Like it's 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 kind of insane. You know, most Bitcoiners seem to agree that that vaccine mandates are absolutely ridiculous. That you walk into a bar or a restaurant or something, and that private business is required to take your vaccine your vaccine information, your medical information, uh, your, your private personal information, but everyone just turns a blind eye at, at Bitcoin companies requiring all this information. I just don't see how, like there, there's plenty of companies that don't do that, but the problem is there's no money in creating another BISC or, uh, you know, another huddle holder or whatever, another peer to peer exchange where, you know, you can attempt to be more censorship resistant and offer people an onboarding into Bitcoin without having to do KYC. There's no money there. The money's in the shitcoin casino and you can't have the shitcoin casino unless you have the KYC. Now, it just so happens that if you also do those things, then you've got a nice stash of KYC that you can onboard tons of people through a Coinbase or a Kraken or a whatever it is. Um, so, you know, it all comes back. It's not as if like, you know, this, this just naturally progressed and Bitcoiners were searching out for a better regulatory standard. It's no, like people wanted to make exchanges so that they could become rich. They did. Um, we followed because that's what the government, that's, that, that is the path of least resistance. And I feel like it's so obvious to me. There's a reason that that's the path of least resistance. We always see them try to coerce and push and nudge people to do, whether it's through psyops or regulations or whatever, to do what is least damaging to the state. And so quite obviously, the road to KYC exchanges has been left wide open um, with very little uh, uh, you know, problems or pressure until they try to do something to step outside of it. And then the United States is all over them, regardless of where they're at in the world. So 
you know, I just don't see how it's any different that we all see. Of obviously, the KYC doesn't work. Everybody agrees it's 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 plain as day. It's pointless then to mandate for everyone to do this KYC. If it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, then it's pointless. So what is the point? The same as the vaccine. The point is the compliance. The cruelty is the point. The point is to be able to make people be or seek your permission in order to do what you're allowed to do. Otherwise, if that's not the way that it's done, then you might go off and get yourself some natural immunity and then we can't control you. And I just, so, I, the parallels are there. Yeah. Okay. So let me add a couple of things here. So I think, again, everyone on this panel is agreeing here that AML laws are a bad thing for society. It's it's more just about how do we best deal with that reality? That's that's really what this is about, as I see it. I mean, there are obviously trade-offs with these things, right? If you want to acquire non-KYC, you might not be able to acquire as much as you want to, right? It's probably true even for me uh, that I might not have as many sats if I hadn't gone through KYC for at least a portion of my stack. Now, of course, I also have non-KYC coins um, and that's one aspect of it. But I think the other point I just wanted to add in as well is that there was a bit of discussion and I think diverter and just in general, this is kind of the attack of, of the idea of, oh, see, mass adoption is not the way. And you know what? Maybe it's it's not... But it's it's worthwhile thinking about this. Consider, would Bitcoin be at the price it is now without the existence of the KYC exchanges? And now you could also say, look, uh, that's an issue. I would rather have Bitcoin price be lower and have more hardcore people. And fine, that, that could be the case. But I think, let's point out, because as you were saying, you were saying, well, look, Bitcoin is a trillion dollar market. Well, what I'm saying is, I don't think it would be, it, it might not be at that level if it weren't for the existence of these companies that unfortunately yes they have to comply with the with the government laws of their own nation or jurisdiction but the point as i said then is maybe the point really is about trying to focus the adoption towards the quote-unquote remnant i think it's it's those people who are actually going to try to fight this right and so many of those people are bitcoin people they are the same kinds of people who are trying at least to push back against the hysteria and the other sort of covid restriction stuff that's going on it but the fact that the restrictions still exist. I mean, is that the fault of the people who are trying to push back? They're at least trying. So I see this as there will be a lot of people who are who want to get in, and they can't necessarily buy the same size that they would like to if if, if they were going to try to buy or you know a purchase or acquire that same stack non KYC, and they want in. So what do you what do I, you propose they do? I I, I do. Um, I'll grant you that. Um coming into trying to make an extraordinarily large purchase uh for example um right off the bat without doing kyc is obviously much uh more difficult than it is to say you know uh, get in slowly dollar cost average whatever you want to call it in uh in a non-kyc fashion i, I would then you know obviously i would point to peer-to-peer -peer or the otc type markets it still could be done it definitely would not be as easy um, as far as the point of whether or not we would be here without these regulated exchanges, I mean, it's a hard point to argue, I guess, for or against. I, I guess, one, you know, the world may never know. Um, other than I, I would say it's hard for me to find um, a quote unquote black market type good um, in the world that its white market counterpart is less expensive. Um, so I, I don't know whether or not the price would be where it's at now. I, I can't say it may. It may not.
But I do agree with you on your point about focusing adoption. And that's more of what I was trying to talk about earlier. I'm not trying to necessarily turn anyone away from adopting. It's more of a focus on adopting in such a way that we are better able to uh, you know, resist and be able to work whether or not they want us to or not. Um, so I do think that's important. And you know, this is where I get into what uh, Zelko talked about earlier and people with their audience. Um, because there's a lot to really say here. I mean, listen, in this world, you've got, you've got leaders and you've got followers and you've got, you know, fighters and you've got engineers and builders. You've got all these different types of people and we've got them all in Bitcoin. We've got them all on this panel. Um, Matt is obviously a leader. Now, now he tells people not to trust him and he knows people trust him. He knows he's a leader and he's taken on that responsibility because he wants to lead. Now, now the difference between uh, what I would call a good leader and and a selfish type leader is Matt gets his excitement from seeing other people do the things that he's led them towards. Not he doesn't get his excitement from being known as the guy that guided him there. He gets his excitement from seeing people actually get there. And that's a key distinction, I think. And that's why when we're talking about your audience, Stefan, like you talk to a lot of people, you've got you know, uh, tons of followers on Twitter. You've got a huge podcast. You've got a very broad um, podcast. You talk about all different kinds of things. So I wouldn't expect you necessarily to be constantly railing about uh, uh, you no know, KYC and 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 uh, to everybody. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit with your audience. Zelko, he doesn't really do Twitter that much. Zelko is what I would call a builder. Um, Zelko is building the stuff that we or the people that are trying to be the leaders. Um, are trying to lead people towards the bridges that Zelko has built. So he doesn't he doesn't really he doesn't really count in more ways than one. Um, but 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 you know now this is where I get into to laser huddle and again I we talked before this we've talked well, I'm sure we'll talk after and I you know all this is with the utmost respect but when we come to laser huddle I feel like your audience is a sovereign audience like that's who you've got you've got you you've come up with your your great reset takes that people have really taken to um you've got an audience of willing people that are they're ready to listen to you because they see you want to be a leader you've stepped up in a leadership role and you want it um and and that's that's admirable i want to see it but the problem then is your audience, I feel like they're the sovereign individual. They're the people that recognize the Great Reset, that sees all these problems. And like you said, protecting their families from inflation and, 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 and basically just an air of protection around them and their loved ones. So when your audience is virtually all this sovereign remnant type, for lack of a better word, I just don't understand why you wouldn't specifically tailor a more resistant path to them because once people get to that point of i recognize the sovereignty um I, once you get there like it's very easy to get you to okay now let's do all this no kyc stuff there's no need to go through the kyc procedures i feel like you've got them right there and if you could just lead your audience the rest of the way like i feel like they're ready to listen and i i, I get very discouraged when i see I'm going more, you know, KYC doesn't matter route um, because I feel like a lot of these people that really are 
the types we want, they're going to listen. They're going to follow you. And I just feel like you've got a responsibility, as I do, and I take it very seriously, that if people, even though I've got a fraction of the listeners <laughs> that you are, the followers you all do, um, but I take it very seriously that people listening to me, I may be putting them in a position to where they're going to have to fight this thing, uh, you know, down the road. And so that's what really irks me about the whole thing is I feel like we've got specific audiences, each of us. And I feel like, you know, for the most part, we try to do our best in, in guiding them. And I just wish that the no KYC part took a bigger stance in that general message to the audience, because I really think people are ready to hear it right now. They know this world is bullshit. They've seen this compliance. They've seen all this junk. They've seen what the state is willing to try to do to you with these vaccine mandates and all this stuff. Like they're not going to let up. And, and if we can just handhold them right across the line, it doesn't matter that they came in initially through KYC. So what? So did I sell that shit or just stop doing KYC today and move on. Like that, that's, that, that's it. Yeah. Let me just um jump in and add a few points. Diverto, I think you made some great points there. I think it is about for, well, to some extent for all of us up on the panel today, it's about trying to put out good, accurate information for people. Uh, and so I just want to actually respond to a couple of points in the chat. I can't remember exactly who made those points because we've scrolled a little past it, but essentially the point one of the commenters is trying to say is companies holding isn't the same as individuals. And yes, granted, but I think it's also the way I'm seeing this and okay, fine. Other people have a different view of this. I see this as a battle that must be fought on multiple fronts. I see this as even though I don't like politics, you know, what's the saying? Uh, you might not be interested in politics, but politics might be interested in you. And so I think that some of the responsible Bitcoin-only companies that are trying to build an advocacy base and are at least trying to build up uh, some kind of advocacy to lessen the role of the state. And yes, the role the, the companies in the space may not have exactly aligned interests with fully non-KYC, but they will at least try to push that Bitcoin is not illegal and they will at least try to push that running a Bitcoin node or holding your own keys should not be illegal. And they will at least try to push back against things like capital gains uh, or unrealized capital gains taxes and things like that. So from my perspective, I obviously have a varied show, right? I talk about a lot of different things on my show. I, I have spoken a lot about privacy. I've, I was, you know, one of the for example, Samurai Wallet and talk about a lot of the coin join aspects. So I'm seeing it like as long as you try to honestly put out information, then I think that's the key part. And if you explain to people, and even for me, when I'm at Bitcoin meetups and I'm trying to explain and teach a new coiner, I, I will still explain to them about some of the various risks and trade-offs of KYC coin as opposed to acquiring non-KYC coin. Uh, but for in, in many cases, and I think this is the point that probably has to be addressed. When you speak to people out there so to take that extra step for non KYC coin. So I think that that's the, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? It's easy to be ideologically pure in what you say, but when you are talking to people and trying to onboard a lot of people, and I don't mean in the mass adoption sense, I mean, in the trying to, you know, uh, adopt the right people, right? The re the remnant people. How do you do that? Um, so actually, someone 
in the comments a long time ago. So it's something that was, it, it might've been 6102 6, actually, but um, you know, like his example was meet up with a friend, have them pay for dinner, right? And then you pay them in Bitcoin, right? And that there's their first no KYC transaction. But, um, you know, in general, right? Like it's, and again, this is coming from my personal experience of how, how do I frame everything? What am I, you know, like I, I get people all the time, as I'm sure everyone here does, as soon as someone finds out that, you know, a normie finds out that you're into Bitcoin, they're like, oh, like, uh, you know, how do, how do I get into this? Like, I, I want to be rich and whatever, right? You know, how you, how that conversation immediately goes from there is is crucial, right? Like my conversations are about, um, you know, are about privacy, about opting out or about, um, you know, being sovereign, right? All of these factors that, that I find important, right? Like censorship resistance, you don't want, which is easy to pitch now, right? Like we just talked about, um, you know, COVID and everything else, like censorship is, a, is an easy sell, right? So um, when it comes down to it and we talk about adoption and, you know, where would we be? It goes, it brings me back to like the, um, to like why Bitcoin is great. Like we all here agree that Bitcoin is, you know, is one of the greatest tools that have ever been created that we know, right? Like, I mean, that's at least like the marketing pitch, but for all the reasons that we say that it's important, what, like, what is it? And how do we put that out to people? Because if it's just like, Hey, get your hands on Bitcoin just to get there. And then eventually somewhere down the line, hopefully you go down the rabbit hole and you figure it out. Like that might work. And that that's probably the case for everyone that's on this panel right now. Like we all probably started KYC and then we all probably fucking figured it out from there. Right. But we're at a point now where like, you know, KYC wasn't, in, in you know 2015 2016 kyc was there but like you know it, it wasn't the same as it is now and, it, and it's just getting worse you know and you're i i think it's in before i continue i just want to say like like you know we me and diverter we keep saying like influencers are saying these things or people are saying this and it makes us disheartened and they're kind of talking out of two sides of their mouth and it's obviously not just directed at just you two um it's you know it's the majority of people on Twitter, right? It's it's all these people who are quote unquote influencers and it's really, really easy, right? It is really easy for someone to come up and tell everyone, um, hey, like just get into Bitcoin, but always have no KYC, right? That's your way of like getting around it, right? Because then you get to hit both parties. You're like, look, I support both. And it's not a knock on you guys, but it is just like, that is the easy path. That is the easiest thing that we could do. And like for talking about privacy and talking about no KYC, like I applaud you guys, right? But like the hard path, the unpopular path is talking about how to actually opt out, how to actually operate in this like no KYC environment, like how to actually live in a fiat world without KYC or how to actually like onboard people with BISC, how to actually onboard people or help help fund things that like build no KYC avenues, right? Like, how do we do that? Like those, if if we had more effort and there's no money in it, like as Diverter said, there's no money in BISC. Like who's gonna pay you? No, no one's gonna pay, uh, pay any influencer or anyone with any sort of actual amount of value, right? To come out and do it. That's why Bitcoin has no real like marketing campaign right like like we're not like the other shit coins that like 
have these big marketing campaigns and go out and make make all sorts of uh you know ads and and whatnot right like you see that from the exchanges right because they have the money we don't have that right so what do we have we have all those lists of people that diverter said influencers builders uh which by the way i take a knock at you call me a builder and not a leader but that's fine um but you know like where what are we doing to get there like we all up here have agreed that like no kyc is that important it is important but then then the conversation is stopping at well it's it's too hard it's too hard to get people to do these things okay i see an obstacle so what's what how do you get over the obstacle right if there's an obstacle in front of you you have two options you either quit and turn around or you figure out how to get over that obstacle that's it those are the only two ways that you can operate in life you're not going to run your run straight into an obstacle hunter you're not going to run into a brick wall a hundred times and hope that you know on the hundredth time that the brick wall falls down it's not how it works right so you know utilizing that kyc and being like well you know like this is like a it's just a temporary thing i i like that that to me doesn't solve any issues that to me is is it's the easy path you know we need to really figure out it, it if everyone on here is that adamant about no kyc or that adamant about the risks of the state and that adamant about how great but how great bitcoin is you know for its decentralizations for its uh censorship resistance you know for anybody to be able to transact with anybody any around anywhere around the world right and you know in an instant then why are we not building why are we not trying to increase that onboard process like like i i hear like obstacles but there's nothing that's saying like hey let, let's try to fix it like someone puts out a guide someone retweets it and then they go okay that's good you know like that's it. No, no one's, no one's actually trying. And don't get me wrong. Probably part of it is that the people that are on, a, you know, they actually are on zero and they're all in Bitcoin and they still operate in the Bitcoin in the fiat world. I'm sure that they don't want to go out and advertise, you know, to everybody what their methods are. Cause you know, that would be the next step for the state to, you know, to start censoring that those means uh, to people operate outside of their control. Because that's ultimately what it is. The fiat world is what controls us. And if we want to be outside of control, the goal isn't to, you know, to appease the to appease the government, to appease, you know, regulators and you know, exchanges and all that other stuff. Like, yeah, sure, they they can have power and that's great. But if you're if you work for somewhere that's over complying, if they're an exchange and they're over complying, or they're not building tools that can actually benefit their users, you know like what, what good is it like what good are we doing because we're we're just making excuses that's what it, a lot of this ends up coming down to i just yeah. want to point one thing real quick because i believe uh, to your guys's credit to the guys on on here's credit uh, you made mention that you know you feel like the easy part is you know saying um uh, i i kind of support both I, I i i don't know i might kind of disagree with that a little bit because i recognize fully um I feel like the easy, the easier road is to take uh, this sort of uh, fundamentalist, never do KYC no matter what stance. And we see that all the time in the privacy space, especially if anybody's operating in the privacy space, you'll know. I mean, you'll get called, get, get called a, a, you know, a LARP for, you know, hosting your own Bitwarden and running your own Bitwarden because it's not fully offline and all this stuff. Like, so the, the fundamentalist stances, to, in my opinion, 
are the easy ones to make. The hard ones to do are the ones where you try to figure out, um, you know, a, a adoption in this environment that we're in. So I, I, I understand that, but, you know, again, I go back to this point about audiences. Um, and it's why, you know, like I said, I appreciate Stefan. He talks about all this stuff. He's got a very broad audience. Matt constantly rails against KYC. I appreciate what he does. Um, you know, but you don't catch me like in Raul Paul's mentions, you know, blabbing to everybody there about, you know, going on no KYC because they don't give a shit. They're they're speculative. They're traitors. They don't care. So, you know, it's I feel like just standing in the middle of a square somewhere and shouting no KYC at everybody that walks by doesn't get you a whole lot of places. But when you've already got that audience that is that is there that they're ready to be sovereign individuals they're ready to take that next step i think it's it's key it's paramount to to give it to them then the adoption curve isn't you know i i don't i don't think the adoption curve is entering through stefan and 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 myself like i i think the the signal has spread so broadly you have tucker carlson talking to tens of millions of people about inflation right so people are worried about inflation they you know, it it really you know, I'm not saying it should be a progression that 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 starts with people buying Bitcoin the wrong way. I'm saying it is. And and that's the reality is people like buy paper Bitcoin with their bank. Um, it, it's only when they end up with a talk with a Bitcoiner that it goes, you know, that, that you have time to say, hey, get some sats and make sure you can stick them in a wallet. I'll show you how. Right. And yes. and, 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 yeah. and so like. I, I guess my fundamental thing is that like we have to grapple with that reality that this the adoption curve is getting fatter and fatter and it is entering through KYC. Um, yeah. You know, I have a huge audience that I, I talk with about um, the Great Reset because I've been, you know, laser focused on uh, the ways that they're upgrading the state, the ways that they're upgrading the monetary system starting in 2020. I think this whole decade we're going to see that. Um, unveil you know we're in this info war it's literally like a world war three and so diverter said you know why aren't i telling people just to get in the trench essentially disappear into no kyc and, and like i actually think the most prudent thing is to think of it as an emergency uh, an escape hatch like right. make an emergency fund grow it and, and the also thing i the, the same time i'm being kind to the progression because i know when i was new at bitcoin it would sound like gibberish if someone said do all these things like you know it was overwhelming the idea of holding my own keys when i just got into bitcoin in so i i don't know what to do about that other than other than recognize um i do want the adoption i do want the political entrenchment i do want number grow up i do want i do want the broadest adoption as possible and then like my my semantic answer my practical answer to owning bitcoin the wrong way is people should rebalance because you start you think you have bitcoin and you bought grayscale oh shit rebalance to physical sats that you can custom laser, oh, laser. You don't have laser so so you keep talking about people who buy grayscale buy gbtc buy like this you know faux etf and don't understand the trade-offs and they should you know they should stack self-custody instead kyc sats yeah. how is that any different than someone who buys KYC sats and doesn't realize the trade-off. Like how, how, what, what is, where is the difference there? And how do, how does buying Bitcoin attached to your personal identity and all your intimate personal information protect you from a great reset? Like we talk, we talk about 6102 all the time. Yep. Uh, 
we're going to have super burdensome regulation that comes down on Bitcoin as part of this great reset. We already have super burdensome regulation on Bitcoin that no one talks about, which is the fact that if you spend Bitcoin, you know, the state takes 30% of, of that of that transaction and then takes income tax on top of that from whoever whoever you're paying to. Yeah, so uh, fundamentally, I think there's two strategies that are playing out. I'm just watching them. One is it Bitcoin is becoming a broad tool for families to defend themselves from inflation. And it's starting to get a Republican, conservative, like political slant where you actually see people on the right taking it up. It might even be a election issue with this Hillary versus Trump 2024 thing. So even though that's cringe, I think it's actually good because it screams political entrenchment. So I think that is a strategy and I want to see broad adoption in that way. At the same time, people shouldn't be naive about KYC persecution. Um, re, you know, Most people end up with KYC Bitcoin, rebalance. What's your allocation of no KYC Bitcoin? Because the, the reality is if they 6102 this stuff, you'll be psyched if you have it in a wallet, but you're still going to have to answer for it if you, you know they have they understand how much Bitcoin you have. So, uh, you know, I want families positioned for both <laughs> strategies so that they can flex through this decade. Because the idea that the KYC has its own trade-offs is no, KY, no KYC. They have opposite shaped trade-offs. So people need to be realistic about that. Uh, sure, but to me, that's like exactly the point. Like, because I, I, I agree with you. Like, as as you said, the the adoption curve or the funnel that was going around for a while a while back, uh, the funnel uh, the end is getting much wider. Um, much more people are being introduced to Bitcoin and beginning to to see the value and being able to store store their hard earned uh, you know value time value in an asset that's not able to be just deflated on a whim grant you all that my issue then is that obviously that's not who we're speaking to i'm not speaking to that person i don't know that person tucker carlson is speaking to that person what i want to make sure of is as because the the real true reality is they don't understand what they're holding they just know that this thing is only going to be 21 million of it now to me that is that that's sending them into a construction site without a hard hat like they don't understand what they're walking into and i'm not giving them any sort of protection now i can't give them any protection when they're listening to tucker obviously but what i can do is i can make sure that wherever i am at wherever i do have an audience if they show up there the first thing they're going to see is talk about the, the, the potential threats and the adversarial style thinking that has gotten Bitcoin to even be able to survive to this point. Because had it not been for taking these exact trade-offs and, and forming this adversarial mindset that we're going to run a parallel system, regardless of whether it's politically entrenched or not, it's going to run. That's only possible because we made these, these trade-offs, these specific purposeful trade-offs to not... Um, you know, be at their whims. And I just don't, I've been, I, I guess maybe I'm too disillusioned with politics at this point. I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't necessarily say burn it all down because that's just not probably how things are going to go. But the, the fact of the matter is, as far as relying on the political um, as, as like a strategy, as far as um, adoption or even uh, legal ramifications, I, I, I just don't see it because I've seen, even just like I said, with this vaccine mandate, I mean, it was half the country was vehemently opposed to it. So is does that mean we're going to have to have 
60% of United States Bitcoiners that are holding their own keys before it's politically untenable. I don't even think that's the case because this is a unite all sides uh, uh, issue here. The United States is losing their global dominance, um, you know, to this magic Internet money. There's, I just don't I don't I can't wrap my head around it. I don't see how it could be possible without there being some sort of uh, attempt to drastically neuter this permissionless network so that they can exercise some sort of control over it. Because otherwise, if if, you know, whoever Joe Schmo out there sees that Tucker clip and goes out and buys himself some Bitcoin on Coinbase, um, you know, maybe he leaves it there. Maybe he never knows anything. But again, that's that's not our audience. That's not who we're talking to. That's that, that's not our fighters. Um, you know, and you can't get mad at the person that's not a fighter. I used to laugh at all the time. People that were criminals would get mad when, you know, the little old lady down the street called the cops on them. That's, that's her job. That's what she does. She's not a fighter. She, she's a civilian. And so, you know, these people that are just buying Bitcoin because and they don't really understand it. They just know it can't be inflated away. Fine. That's all good and fine. What I'm hoping for, though, is that if they or anyone around them then begin to actually dig into what this thing is, I want as soon as possible. I want them to be able to to come across an aspect and a perspective to where they understand that there's an entirely different side to this thing. And it, it may just not be all roses and sunshine forever. And uh, I mean, we're already in a war right now. It's already happening, as you've pointed out. And you continue to point out with your great reset takes laser, which I appreciate, by the way. Um, you know, th th it's happening now Like this is this is not just some future a problem that we're talking about like today the war is currently fighting and so i want as soon that in the hive top 100 i want 97 of them to be no kyc advocates i want this this when whenever anybody is introduced to the wider bitcoin audience or to the leaders of this bitcoin movement not that everybody takes their cues from stefan or you or me or matt or anybody else but they eventually come for a community we've seen it happen I want that community to be one that enables them to best protect themselves and their loved ones so that no matter what happens, they're able to, they're, they're able, not just willing. I mean, you, you can be willing to fight, but you can't fight for shit. You're just going to get beat up. So if you, if you're not, if you, if you've bought all KYC and yeah, you're holding it in your own wallet, but then when they declare it illegal and they know you've bought this, or, you know, self-custody illegal and they come for you, very, very vanishingly small amount of people are going to actually resist that. Um, now, in my opinion, the best possible chance that we have to have people that actually are able and willing to resist it is to have those that aren't on their, you know, easily accessible subpoenaed list or you know, don't even need a subpoena with the third party doctrine. They can get all that information from the exchanges. So if we have a nice selection of people that aren't subject to this rule um those are our fighters and and i just think we especially on here um, maybe with the exception of stefan and matt they've got a little bit larger audiences but us three um the remainders i feel like like that's that's the only people we're talking to are the people that are ready yeah it's it's you know the sailor kind of view it's like you have a broad populace that is going to take their kyc wealth they don't want to store it in dollars certainly right now and maybe they don't want to start an equity anymore it's like digital property they want to store it in bitcoin 
and they're entering through all these different avenues, then they get to us. You're saying we should lean in heavier on, do you take issue with the angle? If, if I'm saying, look, um, mine at home, build a no KYC stack, you know, that's destined for the Bitcoin only economy. You know, that's kind of how I think about it. Um, that's, it's, it's like this in-between place between where you are and where like a sailor, where sailors kind of like, look, CBDCs are coming, let them have the currency. You just treat this right. as digital property. I, I guess I just don't see the purpose in it. I, I, I don't I don't see the reasoning behind if you know that this other option exists where you don't have to provide all your identity and everything to in order to acquire this Bitcoin. Now, sure, as you said, I mean, you're going to go buy a house. You're still going to have to account for that wealth, um, you know, yeah. and, and you, you can answer for that. Sure. But I just don't understand that. It's not as if that can't be done. If it's still uh, if you acquire those through non KYC means, it isn't like you have to have a KYC uh, backlog to show up that what are you going to have to have to pay taxes? I mean, you're still you're claiming it. You're not trying to hide it. I just don't yep. understand why there has to be a separated thing. Like I know I use my non KYC Bitcoin regularly. I mean, two, three, four times a week I make purchases with my non KYC sats. Uh, or I'll might sell, like, hop onto BISC and sell a little bit. Somebody saved me the other day. I needed a little cash. Didn't have any. Hopped on BISC, sold, and done. And you know, I, I didn't have a, a KYC background for those, and I was able to go pay my bill. So I mean, I just it, it's completely plausible to live in the world without having to acquire through KYC. Once you have wrapped your mind around the fact that this KYC stuff is what it is, and that you don't have to do it, you're really only doing it as far as i could tell for the convenience which granted is quite a bit more convenient sometimes um you know or maybe even the fees because it could cost a little bit more you know there's obviously downsides to going the non-kyc route but as far as i can tell the potential downside of not uh, protecting yourself through you know staying off of their databases is just so much more drastic than than anything else i just can't that's that's like the one compromise that is the absolute red line for me like kyc is a non-starter for me point blank period and we, you know I, <clears throat> that's that's it we can and should grow the remnant i agree with you um i think there's trillions of KYC wealth that's going to be KYC in fiat or Bitcoin that comes online. I want I, I'd rather it be stored in Bitcoin. You know, it's it's institutionalized wealth, it's, it's small businesses, it's corporations. They don't have an easy way to 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 basically go into the Bitcoin only economy yet. Yeah. At the same yeah. time, let's grow that remnant. I agree with you. Well, they, yeah, they 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 can do as they see fit. You know, like I said, that or like you know, many people have said, like everybody's going to get into Bitcoin at the price that they deserve. Essentially, you know, these companies and these you know high net worth individuals, they have they have no interest in in fighting against the state. They'll be the first to comply. That's not that's again though that's that's not our audience. Not who we're talking to. That's not who Laser Hoddle's talking to on Twitter. That's not who diverters talking to on Twitter. I'm not talking to corporations. I'm not talking to high net worth individuals. I'm talking to the people in the trenches. That's who's following me. That's who's, you know, reading my articles. That's who's reading my shit takes on Twitter and never liking or retweeting them. Um, you know, so like I feel like I just don't know how I would I can square the circle of me knowing that I'm talking to these sovereign individuals and me believing 
fully in my heart that if this thing that we're in, if it is successful in doing the thing that it's built to do, I don't know how we get around a fight. I, it could fail and we don't ever have to fight. But if it's successful, I don't know, man. I don't see, I don't see how we get around it. There is a strategy to to making Bitcoin more legitimate. I, that's I, I wish you could appreciate that. That legitimizing Bitcoin is a strategy, and political entrenchment is a strategy. It's happening in front of us, so we have like one horse in that race. We also need the remnant horse, the escape hatch horse. So I want to play both. I want to grow, put the right people into both, teach them the trade offs, and and sculpt the adoption curve the best that we can, recognizing we don't have absolute control over it anyways. I mean, at least. Um, hold your damn keys at the, you know, that's where I'm at with it. Okay. So uh, I had some thoughts and I just, um, we, we kind of talked about uh, the fighters and people who we want to be in Bitcoin. We can't control who goes into Bitcoin, right? But like who we're talking to and, and how we're pushing people is the important part. But like accepting that the KYC exchanges are okay, right? Like they're okay right now. Um, or like, you know, because it's it's unavoidable, let's just like get on board and, and try to get people to go like an escape hatch or whatever for now. And you're not. And again, as old, I feel like I don't want you to feel super triggered. I did the same little like routine when I was talking when I did the node one, I was talking to Matt Hill. I felt like he felt very attacked and uh, wasn't wasn't the case. Again, this is like just speaking to like, you know, the Twitter Twitter versus a whole. Um, but like would everyone here be as you know would you guys be like as like okay with kyc if we were if they were limiting the people that were able to buy bitcoin so like if you know the restrictions got harder and who you could actually who was actually allowed to to buy kyc bitcoin are you are we going to be on a like are you guys going to be on board or is it going to be oh shit, now we have to change right like i feel like right now it's a convenience of like well you know they're they're allowing people like they're not really restricting much and it's and it's pretty easy right like so i think we're good right but like we're we're not thinking down the line or thinking like you know thinking about like what what's going to happen between now and this uh proverbial um imaginary hyper bitcoinization no fiat world right where where the kyc didn't matter uh the the reality is that you know, KYC, and, and I'll turn this over to you guys, but like if KYC, they just started to, you know, the state, whether it's in the US or whether it's UK or wherever, if they just started limiting who could buy, right? They said, oh, you know, or if we start to have a social score, or whatever, they're like, oh, well, you're not high enough on the social score. You don't get to buy Bitcoin. You're not. That's you're not already happening. We're already destined towards no cash, towards full surveillance and, and but they're uh, not doing uh, Bitcoin, right? Yeah, like but the, like a bank account can be Bitcoin, right? Well, that's true, but there's a window where we're in this analog fiat world, and we're switching to a digital fiat world. And in, and in that world, you know, the the method of like trying to pay your mortgage with a cash or money order, or whatever, trying to buy things, that slowly disintegrates. So mm -hmm. there's there's a problem that we have to contend with there, and I don't have a great answer other than to say like that's coming and that's real. So like, and that and that's why I'm like pointing it out, right? Like. KYC is acceptable to, to the masses for now. Like I, I had to be on Twitter last night and just see everyone super defensive about KYC, which blows my mind that like being KYC, being defensive of like, it's okay to be KYC. Like 
you know, like, oh, well, like everyone should KYC. Like how else, how are we going to think of the grandmas, you know, like, and, and that wasn't just you saying, there was a lot of people on Twitter just saying like, think of grandma. And I'm like, I don't care really. Like, uh, you know, like Diverter said, like grandma's not the fighter, right? Like it's, it's like, what well, does I the mean, community people being sent back to work? There are people, their retirements being stolen. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like Bitcoin's illegal in front of them. I want to legitimize Bitcoin to the people that are, that, that are used to living in this fiat world. I want to legitimize so you're making it. A better point though. Like you're making an even a better point for my case. Right. Because like if the state knows that you just took that money, your retirement and you just put it into Bitcoin because you bought it on the exchange because it was easy for grandma. Then the state still knows that she has Bitcoin. The state still knows that she has the money. So when they want to come for, well, you know, their their capital gain. It's the same thing with equities. It's the same thing with any Whatever type of property. Like, like, it's it's really like gonna come. wealth. And, and, and no KYC is an escape hatch. We can siphon wealth out of the KYC, the fiat era. That's great. How do we fundamentally change the adoption curve that is entering through KYC? I, I haven't heard an answer other than Stefan and I should preach no KYC more. Fair. I think it's important. I, I, I agreed with you. Right? Like, I'm saying right now, like, as a the Bitcoin community as a whole, as a whole, other than saying it's good, right? And there are people that are advocates for no KYC and they generally be, tend to be the, you know, the smaller audience people like Diverter, you know, doesn't have that many followers. Um, but, you know, you, you, we are not building anything greater or we're not, how, how do we expand BISC? How do we make more money orders on BISC? How do we increase liquidity? You know, like those are the things that like are very important. Or how we, like someone just made a good point. How do we build a better peer-to-peer -peer answer? Like how do we build, how, how do people build a better Bitcoin community within their own circles, within their own local communities? You know, like those are the things. And that's why I love, like, I love going to meetups and I love seeing people. And it's, and it's because like, that's where, that is where exchanges happen. That's where people buying stuff should happen. Right. Okay, and so, I mean, so I agree that, I mean, we, we all, we all should be um, trying to build those options. And I think, you know, if you look at companies out there and as an example, you know, I, I have, so if one of my sponsors is HODL HODL, right? So that's an example. Uh, I'm also investing another, as an investor, I might invest in companies that are doing these kinds of things or helping people uh, use or interact in no KYC or less KYC ways. So as an example, you, you know, as an investor, you might, be, as an example, like BitRefill, how it helps people interact without having to KYC everything, right? Or you might be able to purchase things without KYC. So, you know, and I think uh, in, in the context of community meetups and things like that, right, as a, as a meetup, I was a longtime meetup organizer with Bitcoin Sydney. And when I'm in person and I'm teaching people, then I'm also talking as part, as one of the things I'm educating about is, hey, this is if you are interested in the non-KYC option. So I think for many of us, full prong, right? I'm helping promote various projects that things more privately or use Bitcoin more privately. So I, I, I think from my point of view, I'm just seeing it as there are multiple prongs and I'm trying to teach and push on those different directions. So at least that's, that's sure. my answer. 
I mean, yeah, it is, and, and and there is no changing this the 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 adoption curve or or whatever. Uh, there is no you haven't heard an answer as to how you stop people from initially doing KYC because there isn't one. Um, because that's uh, that's quite obviously the road that has been laid out before us. Uh, that's that's the nudge and the push and the elbow over until we've got a nice open road right here. It's very simple. All you got to do is you know take this cute little picture standing next to this piece of paper and wait, you know, two or three days and that'll prove you. And then you're allowed to buy Bitcoin. Uh, you know, just wait for, wait to get approved. And then you're, you know, you're in this permissionless system. It's no action. It's not permissionless. Uh, KYC already is cutting people off. It's not a, you know, a matter of in the future, when are we going to stop people from, you know, is KYC going to get more restrictive and stop people? It already is, you know, like, it, it, yes, there's a philosophical point about it being exclusionary and Bitcoin being inclusionary. But there's also a very real point that KYC actually does exclude people right now today from, you know, partaking in society the way that they normally would. But the all that beside this thing we're talking about is is Bitcoin and it's so different than stocks or real estate or anything else like this everybody recognized that this this asset this is a paradigm shift this is not you know the same as having a kyc house or it's it's this is different this is the one thing that we can own truly own and i just don't if there's a way that once people are in whether they come in through kyc or whether they never touch KYC. They first got some at a meetup one place. It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how they got to this point. It's the point that I'm trying to make about our, uh, about audiences is when we're talking to the people we're talking to at the time we're talking to them. I just don't understand. Like there's we may be talking to them about Bitcoin, how Bitcoin works, how to hold your own keys, how to do all your stuff. But I seriously doubt that anyone is going over the KYC procedure with them. It's just like it's not even discussed. You don't talk about how, you know, you're going to have to go and do this KYC procedure and here's the best way to do it. Like that's not that's not even discussed. We're talking about Bitcoin, how you own Bitcoin, how you transact with Bitcoin. The KYC doesn't matter. And that's how it should be. Um, so I don't feel like we have to like sway them away from the KYC option. Like when you're discussing it with people, there's, there is no discussion of KYC. It's only later when, you know, if we have pointed them at Coinbase or pointed them at Kraken that, you know, then it pops up and it says, why, what is this? Um, so if they come in through Coinbase, as I did, not understanding what Bitcoin is, fine it doesn't it, it that's 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 i don't see the big issue with that obviously i would love if it all just disappeared today but that's not reality the reality is most people today are going to come in through kyc so knowing that reality the way i deal with that is not by wishing it goes away it's by wishing that we have as many people as possible in the communities and as soon as these people join those communities this is one of the first things that they see that's the best I can do to fight back against it. That's how I deal with with KYC being a reality of our existence. Go, Matt. So, I mean, this has been a fucking fantastic conversation so far. Um, 
we're at Excellent. the two hour point. Um, first of all, I appreciate you all. Um, Bit, uh, Citadel Dispatch has been focused on actionable discussion. That is the, the main um, reason this show exists in the first place and why we come back every Bitcoin Tuesday. Um, I'd be curious to go over uh, the basics uh, for someone who has listened to this conversation for the last two hours and is interested in not providing their intimate personal information to acquire Bitcoin. Um, how might they go about that? I, I figured either Diverter or Zelko can jump in here and and go through their their list of advice in that in that regard. Sure, there's many different ways depending on on your situation um, and and where you reside in the world. Um, it's certainly not as easy as um, finding a KYC exchange, but you know I would argue the KYC procedure is, uh, you know, a pretty big inconvenience in itself. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's more inconvenient, but it's certainly easier to find exchanges um, to buy KYC Bitcoin. The problem with um, a lot of these peer-to-peer uh, -peer type exchanges many times uh, is we're purposefully stepping outside um, government regulation. Um, that's, that's the reason that we're doing it. So the, the, it's great, but the bad part about that is um, it still has to be regulated. It's got to be regulated somehow. So we have to regulate that ourselves. So that's where these reputation systems, uh, you know, come into play. Um, and it's where things like escrow happen. Now, the reason I mention this is because when you go to a site, like say you wanted to purchase your first Bitcoin and you pull up BISC, all right? Um, you're not going to be able to purchase your first Bitcoin at BISC because on BISC, you're going to need a little bit of Bitcoin in order to put up for the security deposit to then make your trade. So BISC is already out as a first touch. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously there's plenty of ways you could seed yourself, friends, family, meetups, whatever you wanted to do. Um, you know, I've actually seeded a couple of people on Twitter, believe this or not, um, and, and they actually gave me my sats back. Um, but. Um, it's it's it BISC is not the easiest thing in the world. It's not the easiest thing to run. You have, as Stefan mentioned, uh, one of his sponsors, uh, Huddle Huddle, and I, I really like Huddle Huddle. They're a little bit different in that BISC is what you would actually call a true peer to peer exchange. Like there is no two of three multi sig, it's a two of two, it's just you and your peer. Um, in BISC, they're going to hold one of the keys in that transaction. So you can actually go through the process of buying Bitcoin and you don't actually have to have um, Bitcoin necessarily in order to do that there. So the real problem uh, uh, initially with coming into Bitcoin, no KYC, if you're coming fresh with nothing, um, is that you're probably going to need a little bit of Bitcoin to make it easier in order to get there. So that's a real problem. That's why, you know, I, like I've said, I, I don't think that the, the vast majority of people will come in through KYC. But once you're ready to go the no KYC route, you've got BISC, you've got HODL, HODL, um, you've got uh, ATMs, depending on where you're at. Um, some of these ATMs, you can uh, accomplish buying Bitcoin up to certain amounts without having to pr provide any identification. Um, there's a couple articles. There's some great, there's a great uh, article on Bitcoiner.guide, uh, Bitcoin Q&A site. 
that goes over uh, 10 steps, uh, I believe it is, to purchase your first no KYC sats. Um, so there's there's many different ways. You can go so, on point ATM radar, search an ATM. You can hit a meetup, uh, you know, many different ways. But the main ones are going to be peer-to-peer online exchanges like BISC, HODL, HODL, local coin swap. And that's why, you know, again, I'd, I'd like to see more of these. I'd like to see them more robust and, and become just easier to use. So first of all, uh, I mean, that was a good answer, Diverter. I think it was a little bit wordy. Um, you don't, you don't do this twice a week. Like I do. Um, first of all, first of all, if you're a Bitcoiner listening to this and you're onboarding friends and family, you know, don't, don't send them a link to sign up to a KYC exchange if they're interested in Bitcoin. Like the first thing you should do is have them pay for dinner with their fiat and pay them in Bitcoin, have them self custody it, have them actually appreciate Bitcoin for what it truly is. Um, on onboard them in a responsible way. If they're your friends or family, like if there's someone you care about, do that. Uh, the Bitcoin ATM point uh, that Diverter mentioned there is grossly understated. At least in most of the United States, there are ATMs that only require a phone number to purchase Bitcoin. Now they're going to charge you a little bit more money. Um, you know, you're not giving up your privacy. So instead, you're going to pay a slight premium on the Bitcoin. They will require a phone number most of the time. You can use a service like silent.link um, to get a burner phone number with Bitcoin, or you can go and pay for cash at one of those, you know, little uh, cell phone stores. Usually you're, you're better off if you're going to buy a prepaid SIM to buy it uh, at one of those small like cell phone specific stores rather than like a Best Buy or something like that. Um, we have mining. I had Diverter on for Citadel Dispatch 31, citadeldispatch.com slash CD31, or in your favorite podcast app, just go to episode 31. We talk about getting started with home mining. Um, you can accept Bitcoin for goods and services. You know, we have these, we have this, this, this concept, I don't know, that, that Bitcoiners can figure out cold storage, that normies can figure out cold storage. Uh, they can figure out how to run a lightning node. Uh, but they can't figure out how to accept Bitcoin for goods and services. Like there, when I lived in New York, there were bodegas that were just basically cash only businesses. Why were they cash only businesses? Uh, I mean, you could read between the lines there. They fucking figured it out and they wanted, they wanted better money that wasn't being tracked and wasn't being surveilled. Um, so there are a bunch of options available to people to acquire Bitcoin without, providing intimate personal information that can be accessed by criminals that can be used against you in the future. And I think it's prudent for every Bitcoiner to basically, as they're going through this onboarding process, as they're helping friends and family um, escape this failed system, that they do so in a, in a responsible way. And, and to just say that, that it's completely lost, that the fight is lost is, is a loser's ideology because ultimately it's only going to get worse from here. I mean, it's been said multiple times over this last two hours that no KYC was a fundamental part of Bitcoin culture up until 2017, 2018. It fucking turned. It turned super fucking quick. And Bitcoin Twitter, I think, was a large part of that. It was a large part of people being scared to talk about it and, and being scared of being persecuted and prosecuted and fucking thrown under the bus which, to be quite honest, I'm scared about all the time. But if we're going to actually sit here and talk about 
this being a worthy fight, then let's actually make it a worthy fight because it only gets worse from here. And the only thing standing between it getting absolutely worse from here is us. Like there's nobody else standing between that from happening. Because if you don't think that there are going to be more restrictions on regulated services going forward, where the fuck have you been for the last two years? Everyone just fucking rolled over as small businesses got crushed, as privacy got crushed, as freedom of movement got crushed, as freedom of speech got crushed. And nobody cares about Bitcoin. The overwhelming majority of people don't care about Bitcoin, except for us. It comes down to us and it comes down to personal responsibility. I mean, it, it like, uh, I mean, diverters is the best, right? Like when, when you're talking about being a fighter, but it's like, how willing is the, the majority of Bitcoiners, right? Willing to defend their, their Bitcoin when the state comes knocking on your door, right? Like that's really what it comes down to. Like, I am hard pressed to believe that many people are going to have the state come knock on your door. Uh, and you just say, Oh, like it was, uh, it was a boating accident. Like that, that whole narrative was obviously a meme, but like people actually believed it, you know, and it, and it comes down to like that, what we say, and especially like those who have a lot of followers, like what you say and how you say it, like those things matter, you know, because, you know, it's trying to write off your KYC is a, oh, it was a boating accident or, oh, it, it I lost it. Uh, like, uh, I don't have it anymore. Like, if you think that that's, that means that you're not accountable for it, like we're wrong, you know, like KYC is forever. Like, it doesn't matter what you, you what you do after that. Like, it doesn't matter at all. Zero percent. It doesn't matter. Like you, you like if you, if the state's coming for you, they're going to come for you. And if your sats are KYC'd, um, you know, like, what are you going to do? And you have to ask yourself that. I can't answer that for anybody. Uh, I can only answer that for myself. Um, but what what are you willing to do? And if you're a, a Bitcoiner and you believe in the ethos, you believe in what Bitcoin is about, you believe in, um, you know, what this movement is for, then you need to be ready to fight. And if you're not ready to fight, then it might not be time for you. And that's okay. You know, like, but if I'm on Twitter and you're fighting me saying that, you know, KYC is the, is the path to, to enlightenment, like you're wrong. Like I'm not like, I, and I don't think either, I don't think anybody on here has came up and said KYC is the way that's not been the argument that anybody had. So don't take that personally, but like, I, I see it, I see it online and it is mind blowing. It's disheartening. You know, because, you know, and maybe this is just strong from like the privacy, you know, sector of Bitcoin. But like when you're like seeing this stuff and you're we're so focused on like trying to make Bitcoin what it what it was trying to maintain that ideology of what Bitcoin was all about. And then people are online just saying like, oh, like just hold just hold until the state dies and. You know, just say it was a boating accident if they come for you like that is insane. And that's why I asked that question earlier, right? Like how much regulation on the KYC and how many people need to be shut down or not not allowed to buy? You know, like they, how many people try to ask permission to buy Bitcoin on a KYC exchange and get denied until until everyone stops and says, oh, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be pushing KYC anymore. Maybe we should be changing our mindset. So, you know, like that that's pseudonymous you know peer-to-peer -peer transactions 
like that's gone at the end of the day if we were to to play this all the way out if kyc is the end if every set is kyc where where what do we have is it bitcoin you know there's there's trillions of regulated wealth that's going to be coming into bitcoin and and most of the actors behind that wealth they're not necessarily interested in defeating the state what they want to do is survive the state if that makes sense and um you know at the same time i think there's a growing remnant uh who really want to create the bitcoin era and i think we should contribute to that and and, and you know it's it is a progression and we just have to play it to the end that we want to see thank you guys i mean i i think this has been a, a really productive conversation i appreciate you all for joining us um i hope the freaks enjoyed it uh i know i did uh i i think you know we're we're hitting the two hour and 15 minute mark i'm starting to feel for stefan a little bit because i know his time zone um, I think we should wrap this baby up. I'm going to proceed with final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts, Stefan, we'll start with you. Yeah, sure. So thanks again. Uh, I think the way I'm seeing it, I see this as a battle that has to be fought on multiple fronts. I believe, you know, I, I don't like politics. I wish we could live in a world that was fully free market, but I think part of that is growing that, base and energizing and doing anything you can to educate and promote and help that remnant base of people, the ones who are going to fight it and the ones who are going to try to do something about this, whether that's in the non-KYC world or in the KYC world. So I see this as trying to build out the tools that's ideally the open source software and hardware, the technology, as well as businesses that are helping people, uh, you know, enable them in some way in terms of Bitcoin education or stacking sats or whatever it is whether that's you know earning and using your own uh node to stack your sats by selling your services uh i think those are things that we can focus on uh so yeah so i think those are probably the key uh messages i would leave for people out there and of course if people want to find me that's stefanlevera.com and you can find me on twitter at stefanlevera thanks stefan diverter final thoughts Um, yeah, uh, I sure I thought for sure you were gonna say the best for last. Um, <clears throat> caught me off guard there, yeah. I'm so, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's been a it's been a good conversation. I appreciate you all coming on here. Um, Stefan Laser Hodel, uh, it's, it's, it's not easy to have, come on and have these conversations, and especially when you have the potential to be on the side that, you know, uh, it doesn't look so great. Uh, so I appreciate you guys coming on here and, and, and articulating your positions. Stefan, uh, obviously you do great work. Appreciate you having me on the podcast and all the stuff that you do. Um, hope you keep it up. Laser, appreciate your takes as well, man. Uh, I hope I could pull you on over to the no KYC side and, and get you all the way over here. Um, but, I appreciate the conversation. I just hope everybody takes into account all of the factors whenever they um, really start getting into Bitcoin and and understanding what it is that they're in here for um, and what that means down the road, potentially. Um, if this is a speculative asset for you and you don't necessarily care about anything else, that that's you're perfectly, you know, it's a permissionless network for a reason. Everybody can have their piece of this from corporations on down to anybody. Um, 
But anybody that I've talked to that I, that I have the ability to speak to about Bitcoin, um, it's going to be a, a, a paramount. One of the most important things that I discuss with them is that it's important to be able to be fully permissionless and not have to um, register anything that you do with the state just so that what you own, you truly own from now till wherever you decide to part with it. So it's been a great conversation, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Diverter. I truly appreciate your work. I appreciate your voice. It was a pleasure to meet you finally in person uh, a couple months back. Um, and yeah, I, we'll do that again soon. Fuck yes. I was going to say I look forward to uh, doing it again soon. Um, Laser, final thoughts. Let's see. Um, well, it was great. And it's not hard being on the uh, descending side. I think, you know, Everyone here wants to see default forward privacy. Everyone here wants to see folks building a no KYC stash. Everyone here wants to see uh, KYC and just government, uh, uh, you know, white knuckled grip on on financial surveillance uh, be deteriorated so that the individual and families are free. We're talking about how to do that. My view is just that I don't think it's I don't think the state disappears overnight. I think you know. We should have a remnant because that's important to game theory and we should grow that. Um, and we should have this irreversible, unstoppable escape patch and we should grow that as people move down the uh, Bitcoin progression. But at the same time, like a lot of the big boy uh, stuff happens uh, in the game theory of mass adoption. And that's why, you know, that's why I think through politics, even though I don't love politics, I think through it because I think it's important um, the, the legitimization of Bitcoin, I think, is a underappreciated um, a geopolitical uh, strategy for what we're after. So, you know, I, I sit in this interesting place where I'm creating a remnant, but I'm speaking to conservative families, uh, you know, so I do appreciate the privacy NIMS. Um, so thanks. Thanks, Laser. Final thoughts, Elko. Uh, well, first, uh, yeah, thanks for everybody coming on and defending your guys' positions and uh, just kind of talking about it. And again, I think it's pretty apparent that um, it's acknowledged that no KYC Bitcoin is greater than uh, KYC Bitcoin. But, um, you know, and, and yeah, everyone does care about forward uh, forward privacy, which, of course, you only get with uh, Samurai Wallet's Whirlpool. Um, but you know, that said, uh, I think it was a really great discussion. And, um, you know, hopefully, I, I, my goal is really just that people are like conscious and, uh, and cognizant of like how they're, how they're onboarding people, you know, don't sell our souls for the devil. And that's, and that's not like just for anybody on here. And that's, that's not um, an attack on anybody in particular. But like, just understand that, like, when it comes down to it, push comes to shove um you know the the state's going to come for come for their money uh so that, you know, that let's opt out the right way so yeah i uh, i had a great talk and um i definitely hope to meet up with all you guys again uh what in miami probably and um and yeah it was a it was a good time oh by the way uh our uh our Ron dojo tantos we're gonna be we just sold out of our first batch to the U.S., but the EU and U.K. will be uh, will be coming soon. So uh, stay tuned for announcements for that to get released. Uh, super excited. And we got some other fun stuff about to pull out. So I had to give a little shout out to my team for that.
You couldn't help yourself. I was about to give you uh, quite a <laughs> deal. Um, thank, thank you, Zelko. Uh, Zelko is is one of the main guys behind the Ronin Dojo project, and they just released this uh, Tonto node, um, which is it's like a pure block of steel. This thing is fucking awesome. Um, so definitely go check that out. What is that? RoninDojo.io? Uh, yeah, we're actually about to release a brand new, completely redesigned site. But um, yeah, you can check it all out at uh, shop.ronindojo.io or uh, yeah, our main site's at ronindojo.io. But uh, stay tuned for that announcement. The new website's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty. And I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Zelko and his his whole family at Bitblock Boom this year. So um, that was that was truly a pleasure and. Uh, it, it was an honor, and I look forward to uh, kicking with you in Miami, and uh, hopefully many years to come. So, guys, um, to all the guests, thank you so much for participating in in Dispatch. Uh, I know it's a very unique experience. Huge shout out to the Ride or Die freaks who joined us in the live chat. Um, reminder to everyone listening to this on the podcast feeds that this will be the last show on the TFTC podcast feed. So if you want to continue listening on podcast feeds, you're going to have to open up your podcast app and search Zillow Dispatch and subscribe to the Dispatch specific feed. Uh, also, another reminder that uh, the chat has now moved to Matrix, open source. Uh, Good you can find that at Citadel.chat. And that conversation continues throughout the whole week, not just on Bitcoin Tuesdays. It's a very lively discussion. We have almost 500 ride or die freaks in there right now. So definitely come check it out. And with all that said, I love you all. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming. Cheers.
Love you, freaks. We have a rabbit hole recap on Thursday, and uh, we have another Bitcoin Tuesday next Tuesday uh, with two Venezuelan Bitcoiners. This should be a really great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Just remember, no one, no one else is gonna do shit for you. At the end of the day, it all comes down to personal responsibility, and you're gonna have to figure it out yourself. You're gonna have to understand the trade-offs. You're gonna have to make your own decisions. And it's not going to be easy. There will probably be darkness. But if we do it right, we can make that darkness as minimal as possible and get through it together. I love you all. Stay humble. Stack sides. Fuck wasabi.